Howdy, everyone. Welcome to GoFeffy Break on Unsafe Space. I'm your co-host, Carter Laren, joined, as always, by the lovely Carrie Smith. There she is. Hi, Carter. Good morning. How Good are morning. you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm well. Yeah. Uh, we can be a more awkward. Let's talk first... over each other some more. Let's do that again. Yeah, well... Stop talking. Well, <laughs> welcome to Unsafe Space <laughs> if it's your first time here. Uh, this is a live show that we do on Mondays and Fridays called Confetti Break. And I know we have some new viewers today. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we'll try not to repeat ourselves too much for people who've been here since the beginning. But uh, we have a couple things that we do at Unsafe Space. If you're new, we do a book club on usually around every, once a month, a little bit more than... We try to. A little yeah. like. One and a half months. And so <laughs> yeah. the next book club we're discussing is uh, Carter's pick. We're doing fiction this month. We're doing Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand on Sunday. And that's going to be a live discussion at 2 p.m. Texas time. If you want to be a part of it, just email speak at unsafespace.com. And that will get you into – that will give you a Zoom link so you can get into the video discussion. But if you don't want to be on camera, you can also just be in the live chat. Yep. Yep. Uh, Carrie, keep talking. Someone says my audio is out of sync. I'm going to try and reset it. So it's going to be all you for about okay. 30 seconds. Well, uh, the other thing you can do, if you like, you can go to our website, unsafespace.com. You can watch our previous book club discussions. We have another show we do called Deprogrammed, where we specifically deep dive into my old ideology, into social justice ideology. And that show, we do long form interviews with people a lot of the time and with experts. And so those are longer programs. And we have some great interviews with people like James Lindsay, uh, Dr. William Allen, Megan Murphy, Buck Angel, um, most recently Tim Dukeman. So check that out. And uh, and if you want to support us, if you like what we do and you want to support us financially, we are on Subscribestar. So Subscribestar, look up Unsafe Space and you can contribute monthly or you can give us a one-time tip or you can drop something in the Super Chat today. Yep. You can always go Carter, to unsafeface.com for merch, anything else. Uh, and if you are a Bitcoin person and you don't like the fiat currency donations, there's options for you there too. So, And for book club, we do try and we bounce between fiction and nonfiction basically, right? Almost every month. Yeah, we've been alternating. We've, we've hit some of the dystopian classics, which, hello. <laughs> <laughs> 1984, really right Brave now. New World, Fahrenheit yeah. 451. We've done all those already. It's, yeah. I saw a thing. It was a Venn diagram, and it and it said like 1984, Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451, Animal Farm, and then you are right here in the center. That's what's going on. So yeah, we've hit those, and and then we've also mixed in some stuff like uh, The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray, and uh, oh my favorite, Jonathan Haidt. We did um, The Coddling of the American Mind, but yeah. If you'd like to read, this is a good way to make sure that you stay on top of reading in this age where everybody's attention is pulled in different directions because you're you're uh, you're going to have to talk to us about the book. So you better read it. Yep. And I just want to uh, say a thanks to all the people who helped send us to the Better Discourse Conference. We had a great conference. We had Carrie was Carrie spoke. She did an excellent job uh, on stage at the Better Discourse Conference. And then she went on to Tim Pool. I'm sure a lot of you uh, new people are here for you because of Tim Pool, but then she went on to Tim Pool's show a couple days later, and uh, that the trip wouldn't have been possible without the people who supported us, so 
just want to reach out and say yeah. thank you. And we have a lot of footage, which we will start putting out. Yeah. yeah, we got to do some great interviews at the conference. You guys, thank you. And they did a great job. Mythicist Milwaukee, they're the ones who put it on. And they had people on the left and the right. They had people who were supporting social justice beliefs and who wanted to talk with others. Imagine that. So there, that was really – I you don't see that a lot. That was really unique and inspiring. So I'm excited to get some yeah. of those clips out. Yeah, that was uh... – that was good. So I I feel like we haven't really done Coffee Break for a week, which is kind of true because Monday was this was our intermittent frivolity, so we didn't really talk about anything on Monday. Um, but a lot has happened. I mean, we've had an entire DNC convention. We've had uh, I, I don't know, just a lot of random news happen. Uh, Carrie, is there anything that you really wanna wanna hit before you know as we start? What do you want to start with? Well, <laughs> what don't I want to start with? I can with? start with a general thing yeah, if you DNC. don't know what you want to start with. I just, you know. No, well, let, let's talk about the DNC. I watched okay. a little bit of uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and some of the other speakers. <laughs> that and was painful. it was painful. It felt like public access television. It felt like... Uh, one of the sketches, actually, Tim Poole talked about this one, the the one with uh, what's his name from I think he's the guy from Kinky Boots. Uh, it, oh, that it, it one. This, yeah, it was the Dusty Springfield song. And that just felt like a bad SNL parody of a political motivating song and dance. It was just awful. Yeah, awful. I actually didn't believe it because I didn't watch the whole thing, Carrie. When I saw that, I thought it wasn't true. I just assumed someone on the right was parodying what was happening <laughs> with the DNC. And I was like, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to watch a dumb parody of the DNC. They like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Their viewership wasn't high. Um, it was down there. Like on broadcast networks, it was down from uh, 2016 quite significantly. Uh, and obviously online, it was abysmal. It was abysmal online. And the broadcast stuff, I don't really count anyway, because <laughs> CNN's like in airports and places that where you're like forced to watch. <laughs> There's not a lot of people intentionally tuning in to broadcast television. But uh, yeah, the ratings were not good. The ratings weren't good. No. Did So did you watch well, whose speeches in, did you watch? I watched uh, the mayor from Atlanta and I'm trying to remember who else. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, her jokes were just so – it shows you how bad some of the, the comedy is at these things because there's no audience there to respond. And so you just get to see the quality of the jokes alone. And I was struggling to imagine people sitting at home watching this and laughing. Did you have that feeling? It just – Oh, yeah. I mean I I definitely had the feeling that like, oh, you definitely were not involved in why Seinfeld was funny in any way. Um, like it was just, it was very, very cringe. And, uh, yeah. and she did this skit with Joe, this skit, she did this thing with Joe Yang, which just, that was the one that I saw that I, I just couldn't watch anymore after that. And I, I don't know, I don't know what that was about, but, um, I think we're supposed to think she's funny and great because she's Julia Lewis Dreyfus. Like that's, that's our, that's it. That's oh, her celebrity we're yeah, supposed to I respond also... to. Yeah, and I, I was watching it with a different frame of mind than in the past. I was trying to imagine myself back when I was 
fully in the cult, right? Did I enjoy these kind of things? I mean, I know they were different back then. There was an audience. It wasn't this canned, weird studio-only setting. But uh, everything was so, it was just such pandering. It, it was so fake. You know, the, even the Dixie Chicks singing the, the national anthem, it just, I, I just started laughing. I'm like, of course they got the chicks, the chicks. <laughs> Why are they why are they using that that demeaning sexist term still Carter? They got rid of Dixie. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm offended. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe if yeah, they replaced just, all the band members with trans women, then chicks would be an appropriate name. Right? Then just, then they would be not, they'd be woke. Yeah, it I, just rang hollow to me. And I also yeah. saw I saw uh, the, this lady, the sister from Nuns on the Bus. I saw the, this faith portion where they were talking about faith and Joe Biden's faith in God. And that also seemed incredibly fake to me. Is it just me? It just it just didn't come off the right way. They also were mixing in like like we've been criticizing how social justice ideology has moved into the church. And the nun who was speaking was mixing it right in justice, this whole social justice idea, right, right. with the word of God. No, that's... <laughs> That's not what the word of God is about. So I, that turned me off. I, I just, uh, I, I struggled, I struggled to imagine if a, if a different version of myself would have liked it. And I, I don't think I would have, even if I was in the cult, I think I would have been embarrassed. It was pretty embarrassing. I mean, did you watch <laughs> Biden's speech though? No, Biden. I didn't watch that yet. I heard he did a good job. Yeah. I mean, he did a good job in the sense that there wasn't a lot of awkward pausing and forgetting things and misspeaking or slurring of speech. Although uh, it's not clear to me that that was just all the first take, right? We don't know. There was no audience. So, I mean, that he could have been, he could have done 20 takes of that over the course of a few days. And that's the one that they used. I'm not totally sure. Um, but I don't, yeah. I don't think his, his speech was kind of milk toast in the sense that he paid some lip service to social justice stuff, but he was clearly trying to position himself as the moderate um, and kind of the voice of reason. But he used this metaphor that I know, I remember Scott Adams talking about it years ago, um, and I think it's an interesting metaphor. I, I, it, Hillary used it, if I recall correctly, um, this light-dark metaphor where he presented himself as the basically an ambassador of the light and Donald Trump as a, a you know, minion of the darkness. Um, but that dark light metaphor was kind of carried through his whole speech. And I, I, it's almost like magic words. It's a weird metaphor to me because it's certainly, it's certainly without explicitly doing so, it's framing everything about each candidate in in moral terms, like the good versus the evil. It's it's a very uh, religious. It's religious language. I think it's religious language um, to use dark and light. And uh, but you know most of the stuff he said was what you would expect. It was uh, you know working class, blah blah blah, workers versus a privileged few, rising inequity, blah blah blah. Um, I have a I have a problem with that dark and light stuff because I actually don't mind when people talk about the dark and the light. I talk about it. And one of my favorite Martin Luther King quotes is the quote about how darkness can not drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Mm -hmm. And 
the the reason why it bothers me that they're using that is because they're it's they're using it in the same way that they they use all these upside down words now. It's Orwellian, the way they use anti-racism to mean racism. They say anti-fascism, but they behave like fascists in some ways. You know, they, they turn things upside down, and so to position themselves as agents of light, I find to be just a very bold-faced lie, given I, that light to me is truth. Right. I was going to say that that metaphor works if you're not talking about yourself, but if you're talking about truth, I think. Right. So if you're saying light is the truth and we all have like we all have a little bit of darkness in us and like we need to strive for the light, like that's a metaphor that kind of can work. But when you position it as like your adversary is Darth Vader and you're all the light, to me, that comes off as kind of creepy. And the devil comes dressed in white with a gleaming smile and like telling you this, this the light that, I mean, for those of you who are new to the show, I'm an atheist, but I still like the metaphor, right? The devil comes dressed as the devil doesn't come dressed in darkness, looking like, you know, they're from the gutter. The devil comes in light and bright, bright words and clothing telling you that he's yeah. doing it all for the good of humanity. And because he loves you, which was kind of Joe Biden's message, right? Um, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what happens. It makes me think of that that verse in Timothy I've mentioned before, where it talks about how in end times people will be lovers of self, and there's a lot more to that verse. But the interesting part is about how uh, it, it talks about beware of of the false prophets. Beware of those who will sway silly women. <laughs> Captivate silly women. Yes. They will captivate silly women who are always learning but never discovering truth. And it, that huh. – there's something about the the current lie that's being spread culturally, it, not just in America, in the Western world. This lie of social justice, this, this revived, exhumed kind of Marxism but that's built around identity instead of class um, – there's something about that lie that women are seem to be on average, not all women, of course, but on average, women seem to be more susceptible to this lie. And so that verse about captivating silly women who are always learning but never arriving at truth. Look at all these women in the SJW groups I'm in who are constantly um, talking about their cult book list. You know, have you read the Ibram X. Kendi book yet? Have you read the white right. fragility but it's all this indoctrination but they're not actually arriving at any truth well it, there is a tendency that, also that, like sorry yeah. go ahead no that verse just kind of gave me chills when i saw it yeah there is, there is a tendency like michelle obama talked about because uh, i watched her speech as well she talked a lot about empathy and there is definitely a there's a definitely an attempt to position the democrats to position themselves as the only ones who have i mean this is an old they've this has been going on forever right but the democrats are always positioning themselves as the only ones who have the the moral feelings right like oh we have the empathy other people don't have you know the the other side doesn't have empathy they can only do these things because they don't they because they lack empathy and i think that is appealing to women in general again we're going to use a lot of generalizations on this show sometimes like we're not talking about every woman obviously but like there is there is an appeal to that um emotionality and uh you know emotions are just a Emotions are a necessary but not sufficient condition for righteousness. Like, you need to feel the empathy, but then you need to actually act with reason to correct the problem. Like, giving a heroin addict more heroin because you empathize with him is not 
kind. Uh, that's not the right thing to do. Um, so empathy's nice, but um, but you know they paint their instead of painting their opponent as someone who has empathy but different ideas, they always paint their opponent as someone who just lacks empathy, basically. And she, I mean, look look how dishonest she was. She ta- I don't know if you saw this, but she talked explicitly about kids in cages and children in cages, which her husband built those cages. Like this occurred during her husband's administration, but again, this was. Um, this was to her held up as an example of like Trump doesn't have empathy. But if you'll notice, Michelle's empathy was always unidirectional. It was like uh, she brought up wearing a mask, right? You wear a mask because you have empathy, but don't have any empathy for anyone who's suffering the negative effects of the lockdown. Like don't 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 ask that. Uh, Black Lives Matter because empathy, but yeah. don't have empathy for the people you know losing their jobs at the hands of cancel culture or businesses that are getting destroyed or people that are literally getting beat up in the street. Like we don't have empathy for those people. It's a unidirectional empathy and it's a convenient empathy. It's empathy only when it serves their political purpose. And uh, but they wear it like they're these uh, like this badge of honor. Like they're the they're the ambassadors of empathy on Earth. Yeah, uh, it's re- it's it's disgusting actually. Yeah, it's a lie. It's not truth. It's not light. No. None, of the, none of that is truth or light. None of it's light. I, yep. I don't know. Mm. So the one thing I heard Biden's, I heard that Biden did a pretty good job, and, and mm. I haven't seen it. I'm just saying the general attitude I heard, and and not just from people on the left. I heard this from people on the right. And I guess that meant that he didn't stumble and um, come off as, as uh, cognitively impaired as he has been. But they right. also said that he spoke several of the lies that have become part of the narrative. They said that he stood there and bold face lied and 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 said the lie about how uh, Trump said that Nazis are very good people, which he did not say. Yes, he used the very fine and lie. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that a that a presidential candidate from a major party is pushing that lie on a national stage so openly. Well, you're not cynical enough yet, but I'll get you there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. He absolutely used that lie. He used he he lied several times. Um, but uh, he he used that one. Uh, did you see what Van Jones said about Biden, which I think is quite revealing? No. Van Jones declared Biden's speech a success, but he betrayed his standards during his declaration of Biden's success by saying. Basically, he would have counted as a like he expected Biden to stumble over his words and slur his speech. And basically, like the fact that Biden didn't come off as senile was the standard by which Van Jones was judging his speech. And he said he did a great job because all I I was worried he would do blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, that's such a low bar. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, by the way, the other lie. I, there's a couple lies that I noticed, or a couple things that bothered me. One of them was the very fine people lie, um, which you know we've talked about before, and we don't have to. Uh, another thing, which wasn't really a lie, but really bothered me, is he um, he made military threats in a way that, like, so I've not been a Democrat basically ever. I haven't been a Republican basically ever. Right? Maybe maybe in college, like twenty years, some twenty five years ago, but. Uh, both parties are pretty pro-war, but at least the Democrats used to pretend that they wanted peace in some way. Like Obama, when Obama ran for office, he talked about pulling out of the Middle East. And like that was what, that was a point in Obama's favor. Like, oh, we need to end these wars. 
Now, of course, he got in and didn't do anything, and the left didn't notice that he didn't do anything, uh, and just continued the drone strike Tuesdays, and, you know, we just went on our merry way. But Biden was like, he talked about how he was going to be more militarily tough. It was weird because he brought up that his son served in combat, but then in the next sentence, he instead of saying what I would expect, which is like, hey, let's stop sending our men and women to war in foreign places that we can't pronounce and no one can point to on a map that no one that like we're just causing problems. Like, let's just bring people home and stop bombing innocent people and, you know, fighting endless wars just to satisfy Lockheed Martin. Uh, instead of like having that kind of typical speech that I would at least hope that someone on the left still believes, maybe Jimmy Dore would have that kind of a speech, right? Instead, he yeah. was like, I'm going to be tougher on these people. I'm not going to let them get away with this and that. And I'm going to be tough. And it was like, all right, so a vote for you is a vote for military might. What are you presenting? Like, what is your, what's your platform? Military might, so, radical social justice ideology. Like, what's the, what's the selling point? That you're not orange I, man? I think that's it. And I, and I think, uh, well, maybe it was Tim Pohl that was saying this. Somebody was saying this to me recently that they'll just say anything to win at this point. It's just about yeah, winning. Of course. And so for a lot of them, even I think the social justice ideology is just a useful vehicle. It's not they're not true believers. Some of some of the people in the Democratic Party, there are some true believers who are Democratic leaders, but there are others who are just using it because it's a useful vehicle and they don't care that it's an evil vehicle. And they don't care what the ends will be. And they don't care that it's about destruction. It's just this is what they think can help them win. And I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong morally and ethically for speaking the words of an evil belief system. And I think they're wrong pragmatically because I don't think they're going to win with this. I hope not. I hope we're not in a place where we're voting for people who speak that ideology for whatever reason. No, no. I I, And, you know, this is what I've said before to you. And I know people have heard this before, but. My my concern with Biden, among others, is in any in any position, either at a company or politically, we're in an age in which if you're not explicitly fighting social justice ideology, you will succumb to it. Like you will be its puppet. And he's clearly signaled that he's going to be the puppet of social justice ideology. That's just not a it's not even a question. Um, Remember. Uh-oh. All puppet, all politicians are puppets, but some puppets have bigger puppet holes than others. Oh, that you, you have Biden to say has. that again. That's disturbing to think about, Carrie. It's not. It's not sexual. I don't. People are trying to make it sexual. I just mean as a puppet. You know the puppets that you, the ones like from the churches where they put their hand. He's got a lot of hands. More strings. Like him. use a different metaphor. More <laughs> puppet holes. I don't want to think about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's true. He has a very large puppet hole. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I feel like he's maybe, maybe he's the guy. What was it? Men in Black who was like something walking around. Someone's walking around in a Joe Biden suit. It's like in, it's a it's a SJW alien walking around in a Joe Biden suit. Um, <laughs> but so, OK, I want to just bring up one thing that he said, because I keep hearing this from the mainstream media and he repeated it. And. It's a COVID thing, so I know YouTube will demonetize us for bringing this up. But look, he said that America, by the way, they're blaming Trump for everything, obviously, right? So blaming Trump for COVID. By far, we have the worst performance of any nation on earth. This is his words. By far, 
worst performance of any nation on earth. And then he cites Canada, Europe, which I guess <clears throat> he means all the nations of Europe, Japan, or quote, almost anywhere else in the world. <sighs> I don't, I can't believe I have to do this, but I'm going to do it. Okay. Here we go, Carrie. Let's pull this up. Here's the death rate by, like, by the way, we have more population than countries like Italy, so we should have more death count, but let's just take a look. Coronavirus death rate in countries with confirmed deaths and over a thousand reported cases as of August 21st. So what did he cite? Canada. Where's Canada? Let's see. Yemen, Italy, UK, France, Belgium, Hungary, Mexico, Netherlands, Spain. Can oh, Canada. There it is. 7.24 death rate. Wait, wait, where's the U.S.? Scroll, scroll, scroll. This is organized by death rate. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, here we are. Uh, between Colombia and Malawi. So we have a death rate of 3.14. And what are the countries he cited? Canada. Okay, Canada's here, way at the top. So much better than Canada. We're doing much better than than blackface Justin Trudeau. Uh, Japan. Japan, I think, is doing better than us. I don't see Japan on here, so I assume they're below us. So, okay, Japan's beaten us. Um, and Europe. So let's just, let's just take a look. What, are any European countries ahead of us? Maybe with similar cultures? Let's look. Italy, United Kingdom, France, Belgium, Hungary, Netherlands, Spain, Sweden, Ireland. I, I think it's fair to say the dear ex-vice president gets a few Pinocchios on this, and I am tired of people saying, uh, first of all, I'm tired of them blaming Trump. I'm not a huge Trump fan, but I'm tired of them blaming Trump Um. It's like they, they spent the last three years scaring everyone that he would be a dictator. Then when the virus comes, he closes the borders, which they criticized, by the way. Yes, he said things that weren't yeah. true, like it'll be over soon. He's trying to give us hope and whatever. He didn't know. He does say stu stupid things. I'm not defending the guy. But he closed the borders pretty quickly, which they, they were against. And they told people to go out to the Chinese New Year festivals, ignore all this crap. He did not act like a dictator. He didn't use federal power to uh, implement any lockdown measures. He left it up to the states. He left it up to uh, to local governments, and they have acted accordingly. Uh, so I don't know how I don't know how you blame Trump for the coronavirus and simultaneously say that it's the worst performance of any nation on earth. It's just a bold-faced lie. And then he went on to say. Then he went on to say, one in six small businesses are closed. More mom and pops are going to close. Whose fault is that? The economy was, Trump was doing, a, I mean, the economy was doing pretty well. I don't, I don't agree with all of Trump's economic decisions. So, yeah. like, please, I don't want to have to defend Donald Trump. I'm not trying to defend everything he does. But the economy was doing okay. Those businesses are closed because of your stupid mask crap. Because of Michelle Obama's argument that empathy means you wear a mask and all the businesses are always closed. That's why the economy is suffering and he, he acts like oh I, i'll get in and fix the economy and fix covid like what are you talking about it was your idea like your ideology is what shut down the economy in the first place what are you talking about yeah I, you their belief system the they've pushed this it's unfortunately become a partisan thing now where somehow they've the media and ever they've tried to paint it as uh, if you if you don't agree with the lockdown you're on the right and if you do agree with the lockdown you're on the left which is ridiculous 
But I guess it had to happen that way because I think the lockdown's authoritarian and the left has become very authoritarian. So absolutely, and and you know yeah, what? Yeah, it's go ahead. But yeah. you know what? Well, I was going to say something. I think there's a lot of people on the left who are also frustrated with the lockdown, but because it's become a partisan thing and there's such puppets and they're so reactionary and they, they can't agree with anything Trump does or they can't be seen to, you know, it, no matter what he does, he honors Susan B. Anthony, they go against it and they start trashing Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> right. You know, they, they can't ever give him anything. And so I think there's a lot of people on the left who are also frustrated with the lockdowns, but they psychologically have blocked themselves from expressing that or admitting that to themselves. And so they are venting that Absolutely. anger and that frustration through these ridiculous BLM protests and riots. Yeah, you're 100% correct. They're channeling it. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Yeah, they can't they can't do they can't make the self-identification that this is what I'm upset about because that would violate their uh ideological uh commitments, right? They have a belief. Yeah. And they can't they can't admit that. Yeah, I, I, you're 100% correct on that. 100%. And I don't think that's very far off base because they channel anger and frustration and trauma and stuff all the time. Most of the people about. who are out there. Yeah, that's what it's about. Most of the people who are out in the streets who are beholden to social justice ideology, no matter if it's under I, I talk about like social justice ideology is like an umbrella. And underneath it, you have BLM and feminism and LGBT and the trans lobby and you know, fat positive movement and mental health justice movement. You, you have all these different doors that you can take to get into it. Um, but the people who are out there, whether they're BLM or Antifa or feminists or whatever, the Women's March, they're all social justice people. Yeah. And most of them, I think, this is just a suspicion of mine. I think a lot of them are channeling childhood trauma or frustrations, you know, through, they're they're putting it into their belief system. It's easier than working on themselves to pick up to pick up a sign or a, a megaphone and go out in the streets and yell at people. Did you see the videos from Portland from last night and this morning? They're Not in neighborhoods night. now. Earlier ones. I oh yeah, where they were standing in front of people's houses and yelling with yes. They're yeah. marching through a neighborhood with I like did. tiki torches. It's not tiki torches. It was like lights, but I'm gonna say it looked like tiki torches to me from far away. All these lights, they're marching through neighborhoods. They've got a, one girl in the back of a truck with a megaphone, and they're all chanting, wake up, you MFers, wake up, wake up. Right. It, like with a megaphone, the crowd is chanting this while people are sleeping in a residential neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we've talked what about this before, Carrie. Like, yeah, yeah, social justice is less of an ideology and more of a psychological dysfunction. And it explicitly, the, the attractiveness to it, the psychological attractiveness to it is it tells you explicitly you do not have to do introspection. Your problems are not internal. Nothing about your internal state is responsible for any misery you share. It's all external. Fix the world. Don't make your bed. That's the whole, that's the, that's the psychological attraction of social justice. So it's not surprising. Um, yeah. Can I, um, sorry, I just want to, it has to do with money. I know you don't like money, but I'll, I'll be quick. <laughs> because Biden brought up the economy stuff. Okay. And... Um, I'm, I've, I don't think I've said this explicitly before, although I've alluded to it. We are undergoing the largest transfer of wealth possibly that we've ever seen in history. We are going, undergoing an enormous transfer of wealth and, um, no one's talking about it. The Republicans don't care, uh, because they're afraid to ever criticize business. The Democrats, cause they think somehow that like business is 
freedom. I don't know. I don't know. But they, they, they think their role is to just not criticize business. Uh, and Democrats don't care because uh, – actually, I don't know why. Dem- Democrats just never cared. I don't know. So they love wealth transfer. But I just, I just want to be clear. The stock market – so if you look at – I'm going to show you something. I'm gonna, and, and you just have to look a little bit under the hood here. And, and I'm not – I'm not going to be. I'm not being a financial advisor here. I'm just going to talk about something really quickly. Okay, the Nasdaq is up on the year. So this, if the way that this works on Yahoo Finance is this will be green if it's up on the year, and you can see it kind of dipped for COVID and then started going up. So how is the Nasdaq up for the year? What the hell? Does that make any sense to you? How can we be up? How can our stocks be up since the beginning of the year? It kind of makes no sense. Well, it turns out. If you look deeply, and this doesn't hold for every company, but this general trend holds. Amazon. Amazon's up. Okay. That makes sense. Amazon's very up. Google. Google's up. Okay. That makes sense. Facebook. Facebook's up. That makes sense. You have, and I, you know, I could go on and on with tech companies. You've got a few big tech companies doing well, propping up the market. People are taking their money that they're afraid they're gonna lose elsewhere because they see the writing on the wall and they're throwing it into companies like Amazon because they know we're stuck in lockdown and there's consolidation happening and like these big tech companies are gonna survive. But all these guys skew the average. They skew the average upwards. What's happening if you look under the covers? Hertz, Hertz is down, they just declared bankruptcy, of course, because they're related to travel. All the car companies like that, down. Obviously all the airlines, Delta, all the other ones, down. All the hotels, down. Now, by the way, those industries are much uh, much more fragmented. So there's a lot of different companies that are affected by that industry than there are, for example, there's not many Googles, right? There's not many Apples, there's not many Amazons, but there's a lot of different hotel companies, a lot of different uh, airlines. Uh, Yum Brands, which is, uh, they own like Pizza Hut and that kind of stuff, down. Cheesecake Factory, just an example. Restaurants, obviously, down. Um, another restaurant chain, Bloomin' Brands, I think they own like uh, Outback Steakhouse, down. Okay, Construction, Caterpillar, down. Honeywell, down. GM, obviously, down. Uh, real estate, this isn't true for all REITs, but if you look at real estate, Equity Residential, down. Simon Property Group, down. So. What you're seeing here, what you're seeing here is not an economy that is, even if it was just even, you got to look beneath it. It's not that nothing's changing. It's not that we're slightly up on the year. It's that a lot of people in this category have been absolutely destroyed and their wealth has transferred to a few big tech companies at the top. That's what's happening right now. And it is scary as hell. It is scary as hell because we are, I don't think, you know, I know that there are people who are saying, oh, the economy will get back to normal, blah, blah, blah. No, it will not. No, it will not. We have all those mom and pop businesses, all these restaurants, all those fragmented industries with other stuff going on. They are not coming back anytime soon. Yeah, you can look at the stock market and say things aren't that bad, but that's a very naive view. Look underneath the hood. The stock market is just... It's hiding the fact that there's just a huge wealth, wealth transfer. And every time Congress writes a check to support someone else, whenever they say we're going to have a relief package for whatever, that is a regressive tax. 
It expands the money supply, it devalues the currency, and the lowest among us, the people that have the least amount of money, are hit the hardest by that. It just takes time and they don't see it right away. And you know, what really burns me is that Biden stands up and talks about how much he cares about the quote, working class, which is a phrase I hate anyway, but whatever. He cares about the working class. Um, he acts like big businesses aren't paying their fair share. And he blames business when all of this stuff is caused by government intervention. This is all government intervention in the economy. It's the government that's shutting these businesses down. It's it's the government that's responsible for the COVID lockdown. It's the government that's throwing cash off to do all this stuff. It's the government that's in be bed with big banks. And they are creating a problem and they're turning around and blaming what? They're, they're blaming people not paying their quote fair share. It's really, it's a, uh, it's a huge, this is a huge step towards, I know we say Marxism a lot, but it's a huge step towards a, a more socialized economic system. And it's scary. That's my rant. What is their vision for the future? I mean, as you pointed out, he says, I'm going to cure COVID and I'm going to cure the economy. Would he give any details? Yeah, no, he doesn't. He never, never get into details. And I know this sounds horribly trite and cynical, but I don't think these people have a positive vision of the future. I think that's why it's very hard for them to spin um, compelling visions in a believable way. They know they have to talk about, you know, the future and blah, 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 in positive light because people want to hear that. But I don't, at the end of the day, I think their goal is to just milk a little more out of your pocketbook long enough that they can remain in power. Like they don't, they're not trying to keep the patient alive. They are parasites that want to keep it alive just long enough that they get their blood. That's what they want. They want to be in charge of it while it dies. And they're not really asking the question of what keeps it alive in the first place and how much can I destroy? How much, how many businesses can I destroy before there's just nothing left, right? They're looters. Yeah. They're looters. That's interesting. They're just looters. That's interesting. Hey, so I, yeah, economy talk usually. I, I, I know, try to I know. Stay I tried in. to, yeah. No, it's okay. I stayed in for most of that. My Sometimes I go to a happy place in my head. But <laughs> there, <laughs> you, somebody in the chat said, I, it's scrolling pretty fast today, but I saw somebody say something about a cashless society. And I've been hearing some talks uh, whispering about this too. Yeah. Are we moving? Is COVID pushing us faster into a cashless society? What's up with the, yeah. the uh, these coin shortages? Yeah, I, saw I, think, that the airport. I think it's intentional. Yeah. They want a cashless society because uh, agorism and any sort of black market economies function on cash, right? Um, cash is the way to avoid, like, you have a babysitter come over to your house and you pay that babysitter under the table, the IRS doesn't get a piece of that, right? And the babysitter's not going out and like filing a, <laughs> filing a tax return yeah. saying I got 50 bucks for watching your kids for the evening. No one's doing that. So um, cash, is, cash is extremely dangerous to people who, keep in mind, these people, their entire, uh, their entire existence is, is predicated on the idea that they, you work for them, you're part of the tax farm, and their job is to, is to monitor everything you do and distribute resources accordingly. And to the extent you can move outside of that system, this is why they hated Bitcoin, because Bitcoin was viewed at first as a way to move large amounts of money, right, because cash is hard, you know, you can't walk around with a 
briefcases full of cash, right? Bitcoin was theoretically a way to move large amounts of money without their interference. It turns out actually that doesn't happen. You have to vector through other privacy currencies and that kind of stuff uh, because Bitcoin's quite traceable. But um, but that was their concern with Bitcoin. And I think they're intentionally moving to a cashless society. It's another side effect for the statists that of, of COVID that they like. You, we go to stores now and they ask you to use your Apple Pay. They say there's a change shortage. They don't want, they give you the evil eye. I always pay with cash. They give you an evil eye if you they try do. and pay with cash. Someone gave me the evil eye at the airport. I, yeah. So, so if they are trying to move us to a cashless society, why haven't they embraced Bitcoin? Oh, um, I don't think they like the idea behind Bitcoin, but I think they have embraced Bitcoin at this point. Um, they didn't embrace really? it while it wasn't regulated. As soon as as soon as the regulators got their hands around the neck of Bitcoin, uh, now they're fine with Bitcoin. Now they're fine with it because you can't move in and out of fiat currency, and you can't move between fiat and Bitcoin without them knowing. So exactly. and they can trace everything. So now they're happy. They don't. They're not opposed to Bitcoin at all anymore. What they're opposed to is like Monero or privacy currencies that like obscure the paper trail that they don't like um they're opposed to gold they're opposed to actual you know physical money someone someone in chat said bullets are the next currency they're opposed to bullets too um but yeah no i and and by the way i think with cashless society comes the social credit system which china has been already implementing quite a lot and i think that's the that's the evil stepsister of cashless society because everything is cashless means everything will be based on your device and your device will start becoming uh, an ID of sorts. And they want, that's why they want you to use your device to track your COVID status. They want you to use it to pay and soon they'll want you to use it for everything else. Well, speaking of the social credit score. So this weekend was my first time flying since coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked about it a little bit off camera, just the, I thought it was weird seeing everyone in the mass at the airport. It's so just crazy. this sort of compliance thing. It, and it doesn't make any sense because you can take your mask down while you're eating and drinking. Your mask is off. You're eating and drinking and, and breathing. And then, But then, you know, if you're not putting something in your mouth, then I'll put the mask back up and now it's working. And it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I wore my mask. Um, but And they, they had this... Delta, well, they all the airlines I was on, but Delta, but Delta was the one that behaved like the mass Nazi for me. Um, I was also on Southwest and American, uh, but they they tell you if you don't follow our mass policy, you will not be allowed to fly with us again. Mm-hmm. Social credit score, right? You have right. to put this thing on that we're telling you to do. That's entirely, you know, it just our whim, subjective. It's this cultural phenomenon now that we're doing this. And if you don't, you can't fly with us. Yeah. And it just felt it felt very dystopian to me. Well, I did have a funny moment. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I did. I didn't tell you this, Carter, but on the flight, on one of the flights after I left you, there was I had my mask down, but under my nose, and you know I was drinking water once in a while. The three different flight attendants came up to me, but the best was the last guy. I just I wasn't trying to get in a fight, and I wasn't being angry. I just was kind of playing around, like playful. I wanted to see what, so he was like, you have to put the mask over your nose. And I was like, uh, okay. And I put it up and I pulled it off my mouth and put it over my nose. And he was like, no, no, down. And so I put it down and then he's like, no, up and uh, up. And we seriously, it was like, I felt like I was in a Steve Martin movie. He was like down a little bit more. 
up. And I was like, can you do it for me? And he was like, no, we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I put it down over, over both. But it just made me laugh to see how far he would go of like up a little more. Okay, down, now it's no, now you took it off your nose, put it back. And then when I got to my next gate, they called me up. They, they called me over the loud system and I went up and they, they were like, do you have a problem with our mask policy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I had some problems with this one going up and down, but they gave me a new one. They said mine must be broken. <laughs> <laughs> your mask is broken. <laughs> anyway <laughs> it was nice. silly but but yeah it just felt really it just felt like dystopian and i don't want to live in a country where this is the norm where you you can't see people's faces and and everyone just complies because you can't fly if you don't you know and but you know i did too i wore it and I well i mean that's the purpose somebody of the mask, said right? how old are you yeah i'm st- <laughs> i'm not so old that i can't have a bit of fun <laughs> Carrie's a child at heart. Yeah. But that's the purpose of the mask. It's not to stop the virus. It's to make you comply. And we, I mentioned this to you. Um, something I noticed on the plane, which was really bothersome to me, was uh, the masks made everyone quiet. There was no chit-chat. There was no getting to know your neighbor. Mm-hmm. There was like I don't actually like chit-chat with because I'm a curmudgeon and don't like to talk to people on planes. But usually there's chit-chat going on. People are like talking to each other and whatever. Nothing. Nothing. It was quiet and um, and antisocial. Talk, yeah. The whole environment is antisocial now. The it's whole like environment, a plane full of you know, we're in a, it's a plane full of Carters. We're in a place where we are so in our devices all the time, anyway. But this just made that worse. People are yeah. just in their device. Their their attention, their consciousness, everything is in this device, and nobody's like interacting. With other humans by that the way, are sitting Becky, right beside them. Do you know you know Becky Steyer, uh, who's helped us with some yeah. design? She sent me this uh, image. Can you you see it? Yeah, this is the this is a mask it. box, fifty masks. It says, "Warning: This product is an ear loop mask. This product is not a respirator and will not provide any protection against COVID nineteen or other viruses or contaminants." <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. But you have to wear it. I can't see it. But you have to wear it. Um, I don't know, Carrie. I I had Should someone... we do super chats before we get super far behind? Yeah, yeah. Let me look for super chats. I, you know, just for people new to the show, Carrie can vouch for me on this. We locked down personally well before anyone else did. Like by the time people were talking about locking down with for coronavirus. My family and I had been sheltered in place for weeks, not leaving the house, literally at all. We had food supply. We had everything. And the reason for that is we had information from China and we were, it was unsure. It was unclear how dangerous this was going to be. And now I have people to me, coming up to me that were my friends saying like, well, how come you're not still like wearing the masks and doing the things? Like, because we know more now because there's information now. It turns out it wasn't the boogeyman that we thought it was and the thing that should give everyone pause, no matter what you think about coronavirus, is the fact that you can't have a conversation. The fact that doctors, if they have a press conference that questions the narrative, it's yanked down from YouTube and Facebook immediately. If anyone questions the narrative, it is immediately, immediately shut down as heresy. That should scare you way more than some stupid virus. That is scary. And that and that makes everyone not quite like 
I don't know what to think about the coronavirus because I don't trust a damn thing that's being said. And I don't trust it because yeah. they're censoring everything. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the people like you, the people like you who were warning about coronavirus way before the legacy media was, way before the Democratic politicians were, back yeah. when the legacy media and Dr. Fauci and the other, you know, Pelosi, de Blasio, back when all of them were saying, there's nothing to worry about. Go to parades, guys. Go out and see a movie, de Blasio tweeted. There's nothing to worry about. You guys were worried about it early. Several of the people I followed who were worried about it early did what you did and did took precautions early, locked down early, stockpiled early. But you guys, the ones who were ahead of the curve, you're still ahead of the curve. You're the ones who are now telling, you know, I'm listening. It's not just you. Other people who knew about this early were also the first ones to start saying, wait a minute, like this lockdown has gone too far. Right. And why aren't we allowed to hear all scientific opinions? Why are they pretending like there's a consensus in the scientific community when there's not and blocking any any doctor who has a different opinion? You, right. you don't have to agree with those doctors who are being censored, but you should be angry that you're not even allowed to listen to them. And the fact they're, that they're being they're censored that tells you something. For you. Right. Yeah, the fact that they're being censored tells you something. Yeah. All right, sorry. We'll, uh, we'll do super chats, Carrie. I know. I, we yeah. let too many go by. Uh, Daniel Harp. Uh, question. Should we not donate through YouTube? Doesn't our super chat chatting tell YouTube we're putting our money where our mouth is? After all, money talks... BS walks. Yeah, you can donate through uh, uh, YouTube. Some people don't like it because you YouTube like? takes a cut. That's all. They take a bigger cut than yeah. subscribe star. Yeah, wherever you want to donate. It, YouTube does take a cut, a bigger cut than subscribe star does. But thank you for the super chat, Daniel. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, Richard Pets. Thank you, Richard. Richard says, hi, guys. Great to see you back. Carter, like your latest sign, why? Oh, they like the latest sign, why? Yeah. Why, okay, why is why did, why is it why? Yeah, because uh, if everyone started asking the question why and how do I know, we would not be in the situation. Uh, the only reason that they can control you, the only reason that the that 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 Biden can get away with saying what he can get away with, or Trump even, or anyone, the only reason is that people uh, abdicate their responsibility to answer those questions for themselves. Why? How do I know? Your responsibility as a human being is to think and answer those questions yourselves. And if you don't have satisfactory answers, keep searching. And what they're telling you is the coronavirus censorship is a great example. Why should I keep my mask on? Because CNN says so. Well, how do they know? How do I know? How do I know I should keep my... If, if the answer is how you know is because CNN said so, that should not... Like, why did they say so? That's the next question. Go back to why. If you just stop because CNN said so, you're not thinking. You're not thinking anymore. Um, so that's all. It's a call to think. That's why the sign is what it is. Okay. I like it. Do you see the next one from Miles or do you want me to read it? I can't see. I can't scroll up that far. So you read all it. Right. Miles Kinslow. Thank you, Miles. Miles says, hey, guys, it was great meeting you. Worth the trip. Also, Carrie, great job on Tim Pool podcast. Oh, Miles. Hi, Miles. Nice to see you here. It was very nice to meet you, too. We met a lot of great people in Milwaukee. Again, I'm so thankful, so grateful for you guys for helping us get there and yeah i can't wait for you to see some of the interviews and uh, it was nice to it was nice to hang out with sane people and feel normal again for a while you know that was so good yeah <laughs> so. yeah 
And I was the, I, this was the first time I ever ran into anyone who knew our show. That had never happened to me before. Carrie oh, happens yeah, to her all the time. Oh, yeah, that was first time. But I was like, oh. I randomly have run into people before. Even when we were at 4,000 subscribers, I randomly ran into someone in a, re- in a restaurant. I need to leave yeah. my house for that to happen, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Blackbeard. Thank you, Blackbeard. Blackbeard is, uh, as I've said before, Blackbeard's an OG supporter. Blackbeard, something oh, I've been thinking about. Is the slippery slope fallacy really a fallacy if society is always inching towards depravity? No, I actually don't like the slippery slope fallacy because it's often misused. Um, there are times when if you identify a principle and that principle is violated a little bit, uh, then I I would argue slippery slope is not a fallacy. Um, so in those cases, it's it's misused a lot. So uh, I agree with you, Blackbeard. So we're here's something. Where are we going? Yeah, it is misused a lot. Well. Just because something is a someone is using a fallacy doesn't mean that what they're saying is not true. It just means they're relying on that fallacy, right? And right. So, for example, they're not making a good argument. I guess I put it that way. But right. I I use slippery slope. There are things that I view as a slippery slope. The recently in the past few days there was a big kerfluffle over Netflix promoting a show called Cuties which is about 11-year-olds joining a twerking crew. And mm-hmm. the poster art was so disturbing, Carter. Did you see it? It was very I'm, sexualized. I, no, I'm glad I didn't know about this. Yes, Netflix- it was 11-year-old girls. Yeah, 11-year-old girls in this very sexually provocative poses bent over with their butt in the air. And uh, everyone. Netflix ended up apologizing. But I felt like... This is an ex- a good example of slippery slope is we've been we're on this path to sexualizing children. And part of that, there are lots of things that that contribute to that. One of the things is by pushing this idea now that children are old enough to consent to d- determine what their sexual identity is, what their true sex is, you know, their gender identity that that. I absolutely think leads to a place that's not very far off where we say, well, they can choose their sexuality as well. Children. So that angers me quite a bit that, I mean, not the ad, the show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't even, can I, just a clarification on the slippery slope thing. It's misapplied to people who don't think – usually it's people who don't think in principles that use it, right? So it's – um, for example, the the religious right used it against gay marriage. They'd be like, well, next thing you know, you'll be able to marry your dog and blah, blah, blah. Like they, they – like it's a slippery slope, right? And that's a fallacy there because the principles behind allowing gay marriage are based on um, human beings having rights to engage in voluntary agreements with each other. Um like jumping to another species or something stupid like that's not there's a there's a barrier between that slope stops there it's so the slippery slope argument falls apart when you're not thinking in terms of principles um so they they that's an example of how it's used um and which is why i don't really like it because it's usually used like that and there's nothing and there is no slippery slope fallacy if you're identifying principles right if you say well if you let people get married interracially, that could lead to homosexuals getting married. Yeah, it could. That's true, and they should. So, the end, <laughs> right? Like, that's a principle-based argument. 
slippery slope isn't a fallacy in that in that case. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does All make right. sense. Not Sean. Not Sean gives us a super chat and says, Low magic is a backbone of the SJW cult. Magic Thank is you, a backbone Sean. of the SJW cult. I was thinking about, remember when we had James Lindsay on and he was uh, talking about Lord of the Rings and stuff? Yes. And I was I was thinking more about the One Ring, and I, I did this tweet about it because I was like, last night I was thinking, the One Ring, so social justice is like the One Ring, not only because it, it grants you power that corrupts, but because it when the, when you put it on, if you're a racist, you can put it on and you become invisible. Like if you say, if you, if you call your racism anti-racism, you think nobody can see your racism. I'm totally racist over here, guys, but I'm calling it anti-racism and nobody can see it. And the sad thing is that you're right. A lot of people can't see it. It's like magic. Yeah. You can be a racist. You can dress it up. You can put a fancy new name on it. You can slip on that ring and you're like, I'm a, I'm an, I'm an anti-racist now, guys. And people can't see the way that you're behaving. That they can't see that what you're saying and what you're pushing in the world is that we should treat people differently on the basis of race. Like, sorry, I don't care where you call it. It's racism. Yeah. The only caveat I would say is, uh, it doesn't work on people who are immune. It's a kind of magic that only works on people who believe it. Right. It does. Yeah. You can yeah. become immune to this stuff, which I, which you have I hope people yeah. who watch our show have become immune to it. I'm sending you this picture, Carter. I know you didn't want to see it and it's disturbing, but this is the, in case you wanted to put it but up. This care. is what I was talking about. <laughs> the Netflix thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't I Do I have to anyway. put it up on the screen? Cause I don't. For anybody who hasn't seen it. I guess not. No worries. Uh, all right. Media message. <clears throat> Hold on. I guess. I mean, I, I guess we are witnessing the fall of Western civilization, and we have to document it in all of its gruesome detail. But uh, okay, let's see. I'll put I don't up. see how this made it past so many people at Netflix, and nobody had a problem with it. Well, and they probably view it as empowering. Yeah, that's the that's the question you should be asking, right? So there it is. These are eleven-year-olds. I don't. I mean, I, yeah. is Victor Nabokov running the <laughs> cathedral now? I don't understand. It's not that. I, it's not that I don't understand. I do understand, and that's what makes it horrible. Um, all right. Uh, Second Amendment defense law. Thank you. Two A defense law says uh, for Carter. He gives us uh, twenty bucks and says for Carter's next pool party speedo swimsuit. Really? <laughs> I, the pool party wasn't enough. I gotta have a speedo. Thank you, Two A defense. Yes. Yes. We had a fun, we had an intermittent frivolity on camera. It was fun. Um, here's something, a little a little funny tidbit. Carter, yesterday we had a meeting, and I think I think he's, did you schedule intermittent frivolity in your calendar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I said in the meeting yesterday that I felt guilty about Monday's Kofefi break because... We didn't talk about anything serious, and it was just silliness. But everyone disagreed with me and said I was completely wrong, and it was the right thing yeah. to do. So, 
I guess we'll have to do more intermittent frivolity once in a while. Okay, uh, Tomsky999 gives us five pounds. Thank you, Tomsky, and says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, so relevant to SJW ideology. Yep, that's where they get their zombies, right? Because they, the evil people don't have good intentions, but the zombies do, and they believe the lies. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people who are following this now who believe that it's good. They wouldn't be following it if they thought it was evil. Yeah. Net fragility, so net fragility gives us. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Net fragility gives us five bucks and says, "Love seeing your faces on different shows. Hope you grow. Us knitters will always be in the chat, even as it speeds up. Best knitting podcast ever." <laughs> Welcome, Yay, net fragility. Net fragility. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if someone had said the I would knitted- be helping, I would be co-hosting a knitting podcast years ago, I would have laughed in their face. But here we are. All right, Mr. Biggles. Mr. Mr. Biggles, Biggles, hello. Thank you, Mr. Biggles. Uh, he says, so the BLM morgue, Marxist organization, has entered our sports. I didn't know that. Recently, eight of our rugby players. Oh, he's talking to about South, uh, South Africa, by the way. Uh, recently, eight of our rugby players got in CAC for not taking a knee before a rugby game in the U.K., but could generate some interesting discussion. There's another half of this one. Let's pull it up. Uh, But main message is being learned a lot from these discussions and I'm gaining the means to examine and understand would be a frustrating situation in a deeper way. So thanks, Carter and Carrie. Thank you, Mr. Biggles. Thank Um, you, Mr. Biggles. Yeah. Well, good for those rugby players for not taking the knee. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Sorry, guys, you have to watch me scroll, but there's just so much. Carrie will tap dance while I'm scrolling and sing a song. No? For anyone who's new, we do have a Telegram channel. It's a ch- We have a Telegram account where we post video links, and then we also have a Telegram chat where you can talk with other unspaced, unsafe space viewers. The chat there moves very fast, but you can find it on Telegram if you want to meet other wrong thinkers, other unpersons, so that you know you're not alone. Which the chat moves so fast. Yeah, yeah it, you're not alone. But it does move very fast. And you don't have to read all of it. Whenever you pop in, you can just say hi and catch Evan up Ward, with the last few. Evan Ward sends us 10 bucks. Thank you, Evan. Says $10 towards COVID demonetization fund. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Thank you. I don't know, I don't know how to demonetize so, COVID exactly. But, can I tell yeah. – I'm going to tell you, guys, you my idea. Uh, thank you for that super chat. Mate. So there's a list of things that YouTube – doesn't want you to talk about that they will demonetize your video. It we were we were thinking we should have a celebratory episode if we hit fifty thousand subscribers, and we would call it the coronavirus QAnon nine eleven Pizzagate global warming special. Yes, I think that, I think that hits all of them. <laughs> but not talk about any of those things. We'll just name it that for fun. <laughs> see what happens. By the way, for those of you who aren't uh, creators on YouTube and don't know. You have to self-report your wrong think. So when you upload a video yeah. and you click monetization, they ask you to self-report. Like, does this video contain things that will offend people? This is like they have a they have a list, and the 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 list is actually kind of vague. So sometimes I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. Should I say this is a controversial issue or not? Like, I don't know. Do we talk about controversial issues? Um, and so like some so, you know there'll be times when I'll when we'll be doing it and they'll, we'll get like a green 
thing that's like, you've been great, self-reporting, keep it up. And now we're right now we're in a spot where they're like, naughty, naughty, shame, shame. You've missed yourself. You've been a bad job self-reporting. Um, it's kind of like you're your own Stasi. It's it's uh, yeah. it's, it's really quite quite disturbing. Uh, Tomsky, Tomsky 999. If Trump had closed down states, they would have called him the dictator they all secretly want him to be. Interesting that didn't happen. Yeah. Hmm, exactly right. Yeah, Tomsky. they were pushing him to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're trying, they're goading him to be a dictator so they can say, see, we told you yeah. he was a dictator. Uh, Jenilyn. Jenilyn gives us five bucks and says, I hate how they keep touting jobs as being about dignity and meaningful work not just a paycheck, but a few months ago, economy concerns were evil. Right, right, it's, you wanna kill grandma if you're worried about getting a paycheck, but now it's about dignity and meaningful work. <laughs> Can Thank you, you, Jen. They're dripping with sincerity, yeah. aren't they, Jenilyn? Yeah. All right, next one. Let Freedom Ring America gives us a super chat, thank you. Uh, 20 bucks, it says, I saw Carrie on Timcast and Love for Story, subscribed, and now supporting you, former liberal, red-pilled long ago. The left is batshit crazy, voting Trump. Well, welcome. And there are a lot of us. So, I mean, some people, like you said, you're a former liberal. I'm still a liberal. I'm a former Democrat, former social justice warrior. And one thing I've learned in the past four years is we have conservatives and liberals we have so much more in common with one another than we do with extremists on either side we uh, we have so much more in common with one another than we do with leftists with social justice leftists they don't believe in free speech conservatives and liberals do they don't believe in the non-aggression principle they don't believe in an exchange of ideas they they they're fundamentalists and so what I want to see is is conservatives have been speaking up against the leftist ideology for much longer than liberals have. I'm I'm happy when I see liberals who are now waking up and maybe they become conservative. Maybe they stay liberal. But either way, I'm happy when I see them waking up. I met a lot of them at the walk away rally in Milwaukee. It was awesome. Yeah. After after the speech. Yeah. When I my hope is that I don't know if this is true, but my hope is that both former Republicans and former Democrats, because Trump kind of broke the Republican Party as well, right? And the, Dem- and the Democratic Party has biz- kind of broken itself based on its response to Trump. And th- it turns out the scale we should be using is like authoritarian versus like individualist. Like th- that's the scale. Yeah. And there's a lot of us towards the individualist end of the scale, some more than others, but, um, you know, it's a continuum. But the authoritarians are both on the radical left and on the radical right. Like they're both the authoritarians. And that's the battle that we need to fight uh, more than, um, you know, against each other about stuff. We can argue about stuff later once we have the freedom of speech clearly ensconced in society and no one's arguing against it. But right now we've got people holding up signs saying silence is violence and violence and and words are violence and, you know, crazy, crazy uh, authoritarianism. Okay. What, one of the most interesting, Sorry, well, before you do that, one of the most interesting, uh, alliances that I've seen ha- happening is I, it's been so cool to watch atheists come together with Christians mm. to push back against this evil belief system. And I think you and other atheists have, I've, I've heard you voice this before the idea that 
we are we are facing a very large existential threat. We can get back to arguing about whether or not there's a deity later. <laughs> yeah, know, I would love to but, argue with you, Carrie, about whether God exists, but that's not the most important thing right now. No, and and social justice ideology has converged in both places. It's converged in the new atheism movement, and it's conver- converged in the churches, or it is converging there. And so those those friendships that I've seen being forged between atheists and Christians, I think, are so beautiful. Um, it's also bringing gamers and knitters together, guys. It's converged in gaming and knitting. Who does <laughs> so, Yeah. <sighs> All right, uh, Tomsky989 gives us two pounds and says, uh, just for the Carter rant, thank you, Tomsky999. Uh, let's see. Thank you, Tomsky. Judge Lott. Judge Lott gives us 20 bucks and says, Carter, yesterday I was rocking out to roll with the changes by Ario Speedwagon, but I was wearing a Metallica Masters of Puppets t-shirt while doing it. Am I still metal? Um... <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I think I like you still. Uh, I like Ario Speedwagon, but I don't call myself metal. I think it's you know if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to Ario Speedwagon, I think you have to give up the metal title. But you no, know, you don't. Judge Lot. I disagree with Carter. Okay. Roll of the Changes is my favorite Ario Speedwagon song, and it's the spirit of metal, even though it may not be metal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is one of the many important issues upon which Carrie and I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, okay. Scrolling, scrolling. Sorry, guys. Here we go. Another one from Tomsky999. Busy today, Tomsky. Thank you. Tomsky says, need to start wearing V for Vendetta masks and see how people react. Actually, I love that idea. Uh, I have a V for Vendetta mask sitting around. Um, yeah. Yeah. Carrie was wearing a Batman mask, but they, that didn't go over well. I was. Well, no, I, the first few times I wore it, it did. People laughed. They thought it was funny. I was just trying to make people laugh and see. Again, I like playing with, I just like seeing what people are interesting. I like seeing what people do and I like seeing people laugh. But then maybe the fourth or fifth time I wore it, someone got really angry at me. So I decided not to wear it anymore because I thought, I'm not in the place I thought I was in where I could just laugh off the anger or, you know, I put the other mask off when they, when they got mad, but they were still mad. Anyway, I decided I shouldn't be wearing that anymore in case, in case I don't respond well to someone's anger that I provoked. Hmm. <clears throat> well, another one from Tomsky 999. Again, Tomsky says, Dems, you must, Dems, you must stay home unless you're BLM and then you can go protest, i.e. riot. Yes. That's... Mm-hmm. That's how you know yeah. this isn't about the coronavirus. Um, Christopher Robin, great name. Christopher Robin, thank you, says, Carrie, you're blowing up right now. Carter, any tips for taking on the ideologues on Facebook? <laughs> Uh-oh. That might be a Carrie question, honestly, because Carrie is the Carrie's the Facebook warrior. I'm the kind of guy who's like, I don't, I don't, I, unless I'm arguing in front of an audience uh, so that I can demonstrate the other side's idiocy. I don't actually try and convince the other side directly, usually. Um, yeah, so Carter class. would tell you don't waste time doing that. And I would tell you he's right for the most part. But there are some 
Facebook arguments that I think are worth it. Yeah, when enough people are what one of the reasons I engage with people on one of my recent posts, there's been a couple strangers who wandered in and are preaching social justice. One of the reasons I like engaging with those people is because I know I know people like you. There are people who are sometimes watch those interactions who are wondering how to push back. They want to know how to push back on this stuff. Right. And so I hear from people who appreciate seeing someone do it and and usually I try not to do it with anger. It's just a kind of a matter of fact place. So one guy, for example, came in and was saying, um, they love to call you, they love to call you a racist and a white supremacist and all this stuff if you don't agree with social justice ideology, but words matter. Words mean something. White supremacy means something. It means that you believe in judging and treating people differently on the basis of race and it's evil, it's racist. And when you call people that phrase just because they don't agree with your ideology, when you incorrectly call them that phrase, you're not only trying to silence and intimidate people, but you're also belittling what white supremacy means and you're making it harder to fight it. And 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 you're doing so because your beliefs, social justice beliefs, mirror white supremacy beliefs so closely because social justice beliefs also say that we should judge and treat people differently on the basis of race. It's just as evil. It's just as racist. So sometimes I like just speaking. They they will use um, words to try and intimidate you. They'll call you names. They'll call you things you are not. And so sometimes I'll just go through the motions of responding so people can see it's you. It's easy to respond. Don't let your emotion or your anger or whatever at getting called something you're not get away from you. You can just I try to speak as plainly as possible because they use superfluous language to try and cloud what it is they're saying. And so just hammer home the basics. You believe in judging and treating people differently on the basis of race. I don't. I believe in judging people on the basis of character. People can look at those two approaches to the world and decide which of us they think has got the better approach. I think yours is pretty crappy. <laughs> like, Yeah. So, yeah, no, anyway. I agree. And you've done some cool things in the past where you take them seriously and like, or you ask them questions, right, um, that can reveal something. But yeah, I don't know. I, I might say one thing to someone on Facebook, but I would let them have the last word. I don't want to get sucked in. It's a time sink, right? This is, they distract you from doing something more important. Yeah. Right? There's almost nothing less important than arguing on Facebook. So, uh, like, I don't know. Go spend Arguing that time talking Twitter. to someone face to face. Okay, fair. I, I said almost nothing, uh, but yes. All right, Dom. Uh, Dom gives us ten bucks. It says, uh, "Great meeting you at Walkaway Rally, Carrie. I've noticed a new SJW thing. They are now saying stop saying preferred pronouns. Have you heard this? It's so weird to me. I, Carrie, do you know? What yes. Oh, yes. tell us. First of all, hi, Dom. It was nice to meet you in person and face to the name. Um, yes, they are now saying, so they often talk about slippery slope, which we were talking about earlier. They often, they push the first step of a belief and they get you to accept that first, then they take it further. So for example, they push the idea that, um, gender is a social construct only that none of gender characteristics comes from biology. It's a social construct. They get you to accept that. 
and 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 they get you accept it by saying, "Hey, we're separating gender from sex here. We're just saying gender, like the way that you present yourself, your characteristics are socially constructed. We're we're not attacking biological sex. Okay, we're going to separate the two. So they get you to agree with this about gender. Then what do they do? Well, then they ramp it up, and now they say, "Well, hey, sex is also a social construct," and they they take it. They get you to accept these things in bite-sized pieces. Um, and so one of the things they're doing now, first they push preferred pronouns. They get you to accept that by saying, much like the mask thing, if you don't do this, if you don't take the knee and and you know use people's preferred pronouns, even if they're the made-up ones, or you know, if you don't speak these words, then you're not compassionate. And so they get people to start using preferred pronouns. Well, now that you've done that, they move past that. And some of the people in chat have talked about this before. They, they I remember, it might have been Laura, somebody in, encountered this with their children's friends. Now they're saying that to use preferred pronouns is insulting because it implies that people can choose their gender. Now, see, here's the trick. Do you see what they're doing here? They, first they said, we can choose our gender. Now they're saying, it's. they've gone back to saying it's innate. I'm innately transgendered. Or I'm innately Zer. Uh, I didn't choose Zer. Zer's who I am. Is that, is, do, you, do you follow like, what I, or oh. am I, do I need to be more clear? No, no, I, I follow, okay. absolutely. And, and, I, and this is one of the things, as I've been thinking about the origins of social justice and this is why some people find it confusing to, some people argue it's more of a critical theory Marxist-based thing, and some people say it's postmodern. And I think this, herein lies the divide. Um, re, social justice is not an integrated ideology that is coherent. So stop thinking that they have some sort of coherent system. It's a psychological dysfunction manifest in bullying. So um, when it comes to trans ideology, social justice is explicitly postmodern. They are deconstructing yeah. everything. And the way to do it is what you're talking about. It is like, you know, gender is separate from sex and unrelated to biology. When in fact, by the way, the reason there are gender differences, like gender differences are the traits that are correlated to biological differences. That's where they came from. But we're going to ignore that and say they're totally socially constructed, that there's only social construction, right? And I wouldn't argue that, that I'm not a biological essentialist. It's not all biological either. There is some social, right? But they, they pull that sleight of hand. It's, it's all social. There's no biological. Um, but their goal isn't to actually get you to stop there. It's always to deconstruct the entire category. That's their goal. It's to, it's to turn it into a nothing. They're nihilists. They want to wipe out the categories completely. Um, so ultimately, their goal is nihilism, and you do that by deception and vagueling and obfuscation. You do that by now it's a large empty room is a pronoun. Now, you know, we can choose whatever we want. Now we can't choose. Sex doesn't even exist. Sex is also a social construct. Biology doesn't exist. Like, it's all just dead. But if you apply postmodern theory to race, you will find very explicit pushback against postmodernism. Um, in fact, Kimberly Crenshaw, who, you know, kind of the, one of the, I don't know, grandmothers of intersectionality, I guess, uh, explicitly, uh, explicitly called out postmodernists is against postmodernism. She 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 is anti anti-essentialism. She she likes to have categories. This is much more critical theory. This is much more Marxist. This is she is more of a biological essentialist saying like, look, there are these categories. You can't just choose your race, right? These 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 ideas aren't meant to be 
intellectually consistent. And where most people go wrong is the naive assumption that they are talking with an entity who is trying to have a consistent moral or philosophical outlook on life. They're being honest and they're trying to convey that information to you. You are not talking to such a being. You are talking to a person who is uh, obsessed with their own psychological comfort and will lash out with words as, as means to get you to do whatever they want you to do detached from the meaning of those words. They don't care. Words are just implements to get you to do something. They're not correspondence to reality. It doesn't matter if their words correspond to reality. It doesn't matter if they're contradictory. Words are just a tool to get you to fall in line with their political goals. That is all they are. Yeah. They use language to control people. Yes. They're not using language to better express themselves and to create better understanding between people. So when you have a conversation with someone in good faith who's not possessed by ideology, the goal of a good conversation, I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about this, the goal of a good conversation is, you know, a little bit of you should die, he said, meaning that you should be willing to, you're trying to best articulate yourself so the other person can can best understand you and vice versa. You want to be able to understand what they're saying, even if you disagree with them. And that you have to be willing to, in a good conversation, let your arguments either change or die um, or maybe make them stronger because as a result of that conversation. They don't use words in the same way. They don't try to make themselves better understood. They use superfluous language or like that George Orwell quote that I'm pretty fond of lately about how they squirt out ink like a cuttlefish. <laughs> I love that quote. It's a great quote. They yeah. do. They use, they use superfluous language and they try and obfuscate what it is that they're really saying, which is nothing a lot of the time. But they use language as a, as a tool to control you to get a certain react a result from you. So it's for intimidation, speak, not communication. It's for intimidation, for. not communication. Perfect. Yeah. All right. And, and, and so don't let it work. Don't let it work. Don't be intimidated. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. no. All right. It, yeah. Let's go ahead. All right, Richard Petz. Thank you, Richard. Richard says he gives us ten bucks, five bucks, and says watching Carter experience intermittent frivolity in the pool got me through the week. LOL. Oh, good. I can't. I can't. It got, I forced the pool, the intermittent frivolity, because yeah, we I had wanted to, get to sit there, there and do a show, and she was like, "No, you're getting in the pool. Screw, screw having a show about anything. You're just gonna get in the effing floaty, Carter." And I, uh, I obeyed. There was no time to do it off camera because we had scheduled an interview. We had already done an interview that morning. We had a small window of time. We had to do Kefefe and Frivolity, so it happened in one. Anyway. It did. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. All right. Uh, let's see. Next is from Death Psy. Death Psy says, can you frame slippery slope to Second Amendment rights? A common argument. Um. I'm not sure which side you mean, but... Uh, I think the maybe maybe the maybe the left would argue that uh, it's a slippery slope because why can't you have nukes? Is that the would that be the slippery slope um, argument? And and I would I would argue that well, as an anarchist, uh, <laughs> that may not be an end to that. But 
let's just argue from a, um, a sort of libertarian-esque perspective, um, you would say, well, the purpose of this is to overthrow the government. I mean, that's the purpose of the Second Amendment, right? It's to be able to fight the government. So the, the argument will be uh, you're, you're, you have a right to defend yourself from any kind of tyranny, absolutely, and that includes tyranny of your own government. What you don't need is the ability to fight foreign wars because that's what your government is for. That's the, that's the um, in the kind of libertarian argument, I think, would be uh, that is not the, the realm. The, you've given up that, that obligation and right to the government. You've said, well, if, if, the, Rust, if the commies are, are going to attack us, that's not me that needs to defend it. That's that's the government. Like we've given that role to the government. If you're kind of libertarian, like that's that's the role of the government. So they need whatever tools necessary to defend from the communist government. But you don't need whatever tools are necessary. But so but you don't need them personally because you don't have to defend personally against the commies. But you do need to be able to defend yourself against tyranny of the government. So I like any any arms that would be used in a domestic war. You would argue like a civil war that would be used to torment the population, you would argue, yes, you should have those because those, those weapons are, um, those weapons are something that could be turned internally. I think you would have a pretty hard argument to argue that nukes would be used internally, right? Um, and that you could use nukes in self-defense. That's a hard argument to make. Um, but I, is that, is that what you're, I hope that's what you're getting at. I'm not totally sure, Carrie. Unless you have another idea about what the question was, I, I lost. I, you lost me just a little, but that's okay. Oh, I was going to be most of the way. Okay, uh, we'll do the next super chat. I hope hopefully that was helpful. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Uh, Are we up to wombat yet? Cyril and Y. I'm not. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, gives us five bucks and says, please help us find a way of locating others locally opposing this mess who are otherwise quiet. We need a way to locally organize. Please help us. That's um, actually been on my radar as something to do. If you are interested in stepping up and helping lead that effort, we just don't, like Carrie and I just don't have time. We have a lot of people reaching out. There's a lot of stuff we'd like to do. But if you would like to volunteer to do some stuff like that, um, please reach out to us at speak at unsafespace.com and we'll try and figure out um, a way to do that. But absolutely. All right, Richard Petz. Thank you, Richard. Richard says, check out uh, the Hunting Warhead podcast to see just how prevalent child pornography is. Very disturbing. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Uh, but thank you for the information, Richard. It's, uh, I'm sure it's prevalent. I mean... I want to get into the Epstein mm. thing, but yeah, yeah. Um, are we up? To, are we up to one? Carrie, you're quiet. Can you? Or did you screw up your mic? You're somehow you're really quiet all of a sudden. All right. Well, she's figuring that. I'll read the next one. Nemo Sundry. Nemo says. Um, People who got fired for standing my morals, can this usually negative thing be turned around as a positive? Hoping unwoke HR grows. Congrats on 23K. Thank you, Nemo. I hope unwoke that HR grows. For those of you who don't know it, it's a, it's a website, it's a job website where you can post and uh, post that you're looking for a job and you can recruit people for a job, but it's um, specifically for people who are obviously unwoke, people who are not, um, 
companies who are not looking for woke employees and, and people who want to work for companies that aren't looking for woke employees and aren't woke themselves. Um, so uh, people got fired for stating my morals. Yeah, I mean, can this negative be turned around into a, as a positive? Yeah, because there are people, there are a lot of people that aren't woke, don't want to adopt this. And I think you're going to start to see the rise of companies, smaller companies maybe, that are um, rejecting this ideology as some of the large giants um, push it more. You're going to have opportunities. And there's opportunities to start a business, which I know is not everyone's cup of tea. It's a lot of work and it's it's a pain in the ass. But um, there is a there is an audience for that. And we've seen with people who have pushed back, like Maria Tuscan, like Marie Buskey, people who've pushed back with their small businesses, they take a hit at Little first. Little ragamuffin. Little ragamuffin. They take a hit at first. And then it turns out, actually, uh, there's quite a lot of customers who appreciate their taking a stance. And so, um, yeah, it it often turns out better in the end. How's your mic, Carrie? Are you back? I think I'm good, yeah. Yeah, you're better now. Okay. How many more do we have? Uh, we're see. on Eche Homer. Okay. Eche Homer says, Andrew Doyle, a.k.a. Uh, Titiana McGrath, mentioned the knitting community in his latest podcast with Jay Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose. He would be a great guest for you. Yeah, we should reach out to... I kind of yeah, want Titania cool. to be the guest, though. I don't know how that works, but yeah. We can figure it out. Yep. Um, Tatiana Fisk. Thank you, Tatiana. She says, just sending out love and light. Finally ordered a t-shirt. Great to see so many new people. Welcome, Tatiana. Hi, Tatiana. Sean Barber. Sean says, I just discovered you both through your appearance, Carrie, on Tim Pool's show. You two are great. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank you, Sean. Welcome. And welcome to all welcome. the new Timcast uh, peeps who came over from Timcast. Um, okay, here we go. Judge Lott really wants to argue about music. Carter will hate this, but I really like the song Lady by Styx. While singing along, I changed the lyric Lady to Individual with the Cervix, surprisingly. Yes. That severely restricted the song's flow. <laughs> well, that's the right way. I think maybe the next thing, maybe Judge Lott, you guys were looking for um, a job. If you lose your job um, because you're standing up to the woke ideology, maybe there's a future for uh, lyricist revisionists who can fix all of the problematic songs and uh, change change words like lady to uh, <laughs> individual with the cervix. Oh, I'm pretty cervix. sure the word individual will be verboten at some point soon, but whatever. Sorry, Carrie, were you were saying something or no? No, go ahead. Let's move on to the next one. Taxterra, Taxterra, thank you, Taxterra. She says, have you guys seen the trailer for the new Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War? Normies are now introduced to Yuri Bezmenov. No, but that is awesome. Where, how is Yuri Bezmenov? Is he, is he in a video game? For those of you who don't know who Yuri Bezmenov is, look him up. Um, he was a defector, ex-KGB defector in the 80s who came and warned us all basically how Marxist ideologues were going to unravel society. And he was disappointingly prescient. Now we're to Wombat. Carrie, do you want to read the Wombat of Dooms? Wombat, you need to bring in more gaming content so you attract more gamers and knitters like me. It's all about balance. Yeah, I do. Uh, my gaming system is so old. I have an Xbox 360, so there are some games that are not on my system. 
And I know people kept wanting us to talk about The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, and I would love to play those games, but I don't have the right system. So <laughs> I don't even have my I'm, I had a PS3, which is broken. I don't have any. Oh, no, I have. We have a switch, but that doesn't count. I don't think. Yeah. But yes, I would like to. And and uh, lately I've been playing. I play old games lately. I've been playing a game called Far Cry 4, which is very good. Yeah. Anyway. All right. You want to do the next one? Sure. Um, Jordan says, love you guys. Here's some money. Thank you, Jordan. Short and sweet. I love it. Next one, smoking a she's 911. Carrie, the jester's job was to point out the foibles of the king with his humor. Cheers to more intermittent frivolity. Yes, thank you. You have to balance. You have to balance critique of this stuff with fun. Otherwise, you just become a sad little person who's just like a social justice warrior, just obsessed with the things that you're against. You have to be fun. You have to have fun. You have to find joy. You have to create things. You have to add something beautiful to the world. You have to find laughter. You know, it's good. Intermittent frivolity is good, guys. And they hate joy. It bothers them when you have joy. <laughs> I, I will say I make it, dis- I'm not into intermittent, I'm not into much frivolity, but that's not the same as joy. Um, joy that's, is much deeper than frivolity. Um, so no, I, but it can be. I agree with you. I find joy. Though. I find joy in frivolity. I disagree with you. The pool party was joyful. You know, because you're hanging out with people, you're having frivolity, you're having joy with people that you love. Like, it's I understand, good. But you like dancing also. We're different people. My, my joy is not through frivolity, <laughs> typically. <laughs> Carter. Okay. Next one. TM Stani. Robin DeAngelo said in a promoted YouTube video that the achievement gap between blacks and whites is either racism or blacks are inferior. See, Robin DeAngelo is an admitted racist and she is trying to put that racism on everyone else and, and she's spreading it, that she's projecting. She admits in the book that she has racist thoughts. And so for her, this is very interesting she said in the video, there's an either or. It's either racism or blacks are inferior. Well, that's nonsense. With any phenomenon, there's multivariate reasons and causes, but you you can't look. We're not allowed to look at those. We're not allowed to talk about what those are. The achievement gap. There are things that we've talked about on the show that and that Carter talked about in the BLM video, for example. There are things that Don Lemon has talked about as recently as what was that five or six years ago, but he would uh, never yeah, say 2015, now. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, one of those things is that one of the biggest indicators of, of whether a child is going to be successful or not, it's not about how wealth it's not about race. It's, it's about whether or not they have a father in the home. Isn't that an interesting statistic? That's a good indicator of, of, of whether that child's going to be successful or not. And what's happened since the 1950s and 60s? Across the board, it doesn't matter what race you are, across the board, there are fewer fathers in the home. There are more single parent homes now. But it's disproportionately affected the black community. So why is that? Now, are there, are there, does systemic racism that they like to talk, they like to call that racism, but does systemic racism play a role in that? I think so. Do other things play a role in that? I think so too. But we, you won't get to the roots of the problem if you can't even discuss things like that. They won't let you talk about that. Isn't that weird? 
It's like they don't want to fix the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the... And, and I would argue, I mean, specifically with black families, like you're saying in the, the father absence, they will explicitly reject attempts to explain it that way. Like, again, I did... Sorry, I've read Kimberly Crenshaw lately, so she's in my brain, unfortunately. But, like, again, she explicitly in 1989 rejected this argument and said, stop imposing white family values on the black community. Um, so that was – that's their – that's her white? argument. Like, stop telling us to have have fathers, basically. Stop telling us that, that, that fatherhood matters. Well, okay – you cannot say that fatherhood matters, but then you can't complain about outcomes that correlates to lack of fatherhood. Like that's, that's how this works. Um, and you'll notice that both with the, uh, both the feminists and the quote anti-racists who are racist, um, they only ever look at the gaps that they, uh, that, that, they, that, that would benefit them. So the feminists never say there's a garbage collector gap. There aren't enough female garbage collectors. There aren't enough female homeless people. They're disproportionately represented by men. Never, never will you hear feminists say that. But they're really keen on noticing how many CEOs there are. Uh, similarly, you never hear you never hear the quote anti-racists say things like, "Well, uh, the NBA doesn't have enough Jews." Like, uh, okay, <laughs> it doesn't. It certainly doesn't have enough Jews uh, proportionally. Nope. But no one's saying the only explanation could be racism. Um, they on, they only use racism, it for things that they want. Let's take let's take what she said. That's okay. What she said. Yeah. There's not enough Jews in the NBA, so it must be either racism or Jews are inferior. How right. stupid does that sound? That sounds like Hitler. <laughs> yeah, we've invoked whatever. I don't know. Where, I remember what internet rule that was, but we just hit it. Godwin's law. Maybe I don't know. That's not Godwin's law. Whatever it is. Um, um, okay. All right, let's keep going. Are we moving on to the next one yet? Tomsky says the radical leftists are desensitizing the word racist and it's abhorrent and it will end with rivers of blood in the streets. They are desensitizing that word. They use it. They, they call everyone a racist. That when you call everyone a racist, it makes it easier for the racist to hide and to thrive. And we well, call everyone no one a white supremacy. Right. Yeah, it means no one. You you belittle the word. You demean the word. You lessen what that word means when you when you toss it out so casually like that and and use it in that way. And you're right. They are desensitizing the word. And they're part of the reason they're doing it is because they are racists. So they have to call everyone that. Yeah. They're hiding. They're putting on the magic ring. They think they're invisible. I've said this before, but I have a friend with a um, kid in high, a couple friends with kids in high school, and. It's really interesting to me. He said that uh, the kids now use some of them. I'm sure this isn't everywhere, but uh, sometimes they they use the word racist uh, as a bland, like a as a as a mocking insult. Like someone will be like, "Oh, I don't I don't like I don't like your shoes or whatever." Like racist. They just say it to each other like it's a joke because they know that the word is a joke now. It doesn't mean anything, and it's just an insult. And so, like, the younger kids are starting to embrace it just as like, oh, this is just an insult that we say in kind of a, uh, yeah. in, in, a in a mocking way because it, it's untethered to actual racism. It's just, a, it's just a word that we say. Yeah, they've untethered it to meaning. 
Um, Christopher Robin, again, thank you, Christopher Robin. He says, always with empathy, I feel I'm free to speak my mind and do do it to speak for those who can't. Good points, Carrie. I have a philosophy background. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you're speaking. More people need to speak. And when you start speaking and you speak for those people who can't, that's part of, I mean, that's part of what Carter and I do. I mean, I, I, I know some people, my old friends think I'm a bit on a, on a bit of a crusade against my old belief system. And I am because I've engineered my life in such a way that currently there's nothing I could lose or that they could take from me that I'm afraid of losing. So I have absolute freedom to say what I think. And I know a lot of people aren't there. They haven't engineered their life that way yet. So that's why I speak up and I'm glad you're speaking up, Chris or Robin, and you will encourage other people to do so the more that you do that. Yep. You want to do the next one? Um, is it Judge Lott again? It is. As you can see, I try to set a very high standard of intellectualism and erudition here in the unsafe space super chat. Yes, you do. Thanks for making today about music. It was pretty cool. For those who um, are new to Coffee Break, by the way, like we do try and get to the super chats as much as possible. I think eventually we're going to run out of the ability to do that, but we time, do like yeah. We like to have an interaction with the audience specifically on these live shows. Not all shows are like this, but on these shows. Yeah. Yeah. The live ones are. Mm -hmm. uh, next one, ground floor. Hey, guys, it was good to meet you both at Better Discourse. I'm the disaffected Republican that you were talking to about the make Republicans conservative again hat. <laughs> Sorry if off topic, which, by the way, you can get that at carriesmith.net. Uh, <laughs> it was very nice to meet you. And I like talking with you because... I'm a disaffected Democrat. So talking with disaffected Republicans, I find that we have a lot in common that we're both sort of like, what happened to our party? <laughs> that they don't represent what we, either what they used to represent or what we thought they represented. So anyway, <sighs> nice yep, to see you. Yep, that's for sure. You wanna do the next one? I don't see the next one, so you do it. Uh, Tomsky999 says, Carter and the floaty should be the new channel logo. Yeah, I'm not gonna, we'll take that under advisement, Tomsky, but thank you. <laughs> uh jordan again thank you jordan jordan says uh arms bans don't actually stop criminals they stop people who follow the law right that's that is true uh that is true let's see death side my you want to do death side no my chat's frozen up so you do the next few Okay. Uh, that's why I says, apologies. I support Second Amendment. Common argument against assault weapons ban is it slips to all guns once those laws don't work. And I get crazy looks. Uh, oh, I see. I see. So when you say, hey, it'll go to all guns. Right. Well, I mean, it will go to all guns. and But the, the, it's not. I don't think you have to think in terms of slippery slope. Like there's either a principle involved or not. Do you have the right to personal self-defense or not? Like, if you don't have the... I mean, you do, by the way, regardless of what Democrats or the government or anyone else says, you do have the right to personal defense. Whether it's recognized by the government or not is the question. And so if there's not a principled reason for not letting you have an AR-15, then, then the argument isn't principled. And if the argument isn't principled, then it is unstoppable. Then a slippery slope does happen because there's no principled backstop Right. If there's no principle, if it's just, well, we should do this because 
we think it will have this positive effect and there's no principle. And then it, then the slippery slope does run away. Like, yes, they will ban all guns. In fact, I think some of them would admit it. There's principles are what gives the backstop to that kind of stuff that you don't have a slippery slope when you have a principle you're basing it on. And then it goes to the, the end of that principle and stops there. But if you have no principle and it's just like, well, we should just do it because it there's less, there'll be less gun violence, maybe. Um, but by that principle, you should ban all cars because there'll be less auto yeah. deaths. Like everything with no okay, principles. I, I be- yes. I better see what you're saying now. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I do too. Uh, sorry, I was not clear about that one. Let's see. All right. We're getting close. Here we go. BW85. Uh, BW85 says, Cuties is a French... Of course it's French. Cuties is a French film. It's supposedly about the destructive ways modern society sexualizes children. Whoever did the promotional images for Netflix obviously didn't understand the film's message. Oh, so so like the the, the, the thing is the opposite of the message of the film? All right. Uh, it makes me feel better about the film's existence. Thank you for clarifying. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Tomsky999 says... The COD, the Call of Duty advertisement was Yuri voiceover telling people how communism infects democracies. And then it ends with the Call of Duty Cold War title. It was awesome. Uh, I am so excited to check this that out now. Cool. You guys are building it up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool that they're, pick, yeah, that they're playing on real things that are in the public consciousness right now. Tax Terra. Thank you, Tax Terra. Uh, Tex Harris says, Yuri's in the trailer. It's awesome. You'll love it. I thought, this is happening now. Yeah. My sons are looking forward to playing the game. You know how we feel about commies. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like about the four, the Far Cry 4 game? It's not just that I'm enjoying it and I think it's a well-done game. It's also, you know, you're spending time as the character tearing down propaganda posters and shutting off their uh, radio signals and stuff. Oh, really? You're fighting. You're also fighting the commies. Yeah. Oh, that's it's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yarn Hoarder. Hi, Yarn Hoarder. Says, I love seeing carry on Timcast. Yay. I'm glad you guys tuned in. I was so so grateful that they had me on and happy to see. I couldn't follow the chat in that show. And gosh, it goes so fast because I tried looking at some of it later and there was just too much. But I know that there were people in there and I appreciate y'all. Derek says, any chance that the CIA co-opted this stuff years ago to ensure if communism broke out in the U.S., it would be the most pathetic version possible. <laughs> That's a good, cons- interesting conspiracy theory. <laughs> I no, there's no chance. <laughs> no, uh, because because it's not about communism; it's about authoritarianism, and the CIA is all about authoritarianism. Uh, they want to be the authorities. So, um, I don't trust the CIA any more than I trust Antifa, and. Sorry if that pisses people off, but I mean, look, who who coined the term conspiracy theory to discredit things? The CIA. Who funded? Hey. Who funded like? Who funded Jackson Pollock and the whole crappy modern art fetish? The CIA. CIA. Like the CIA does a lot of who crap. Had- they they've never. I don't think they ever admitted that. I don't think they've ever. Have they said they shut down Operation Mockingbird? They do a lot of stuff that subverts freedom. Absolutely. So remember when uh, Trump unsealed some of the Kennedy documents and it was revealed in there that the CIA had plans to to blow up, to set a bomb in an American city in, in yes. Florida and blame it on uh, Castro. Mm-hmm. They were going to kill American citizens. 
Yeah. So, look, the CIA... <laughs> the CIA actually does have a nice, cozy relationship with Hollywood, which is why typically in the CIA you see... And that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just fact. Uh, and, like, you, like, they have advisors and stuff. And, like, so they you see how the CIA portrayed as freedom loving heroes and that is I, it's just not true it's just not true they're they're yeah they're status they're extensions of the deep state um yeah except for they're better at violence Wamb they also have a deep relationship with journalists we know yes. this um mm -hmm. wombat of doom says i had to toss in another five bucks just because seeing carter's face light up over yuri bezimov in call of duty was a joy to behold because there's so few Thank things you. like that. There's so few real recognitions of the yeah. battle that we're facing that are out in mainstream culture. And Yuri is, uh, Yuri is just, it's 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 magnificent that someone would even have Yuri out there. I mean, I don't know if anyone will yeah. go watch him, but if any anyone who 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 sees that and then goes and watches a Yuri video, I mean, they'll get red pilled. Probably, at mm. least, there's a chance. Okay, Lydia McCarthy, Lydia, thank you. I don't think I've seen you before. Welcome to chat. Um, it says, there's a war on the innocence of children. Hasbro just got caught putting out a troll doll with a button between its legs that made sexual noises when pushed, hidden where most parents would not look. I saw that. So the really? troll doll was advertised. There's a button on the back where it says pre-recorded phrases, and the button on the back is advertised. But there was also a button they didn't mention between the legs, and if you push that, the doll makes these weird noises. And... I mean, yeah. I, why is that a thing? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna become a luddite. I'll, I'll, like, if we have more kids, I'm gonna be like, "Here's a stick. Go play in the yard." Like, no, you can't talk, trust any toys. I don't. What the hell? <sighs> there is All a right. war on children, though. You're you're right, Lydia. Yep. Um, you are right. On the innocence of children. Mm -hmm. So, Jody Young. Jody Young says there's a remnant in the Catholic Church that through all the newspeak, that nun is not one of us, nor is uh, Father James Martin. So that's good to hear. I, I do. I know some Catholics who are not on board with this woke nonsense. And, the Pope is you know, pretty much on board. Is he? The Pope's been speaking wokish for a while. So I don't I mean, look, I'm not Catholic. I'm not trying to throw Catholics under the bus specifically, but I'm, the Pope is not. The, the Pope's pretty wokish, from what I can tell. Um, maybe someone who knows Catholicism better can, you know, correct me. I'm really excited, though, about the Christian thinkers that I'm discovering who are not pushing woke and who are truly being brave by speaking truth, even if it's unpopular. And some of these are actual preachers. Um, some are culture warriors like Bevel and Beatty, um, just it just talk about joy. It, she gives my heart joy seeing what she's doing. I'm an atheist and, and I think she's awesome. Yeah. She's great to watch. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We yeah. want to have more of those people on the show. We're going to, we're going to get to talk. I'm going to pl pluck something that hasn't happened yet, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be canceled. We're going to get to talk to Monique uh, Dumas I'm not sure to pronounce her last name from the Center for Biblical Unity soon. That's going to be cool for any Christians in the audience who are interested. Mm -hmm. Jody Young says, uh, oh, she just corrected her typo. She says, sorry, cease through all the newspeak. Thanks for a super chat for a typo. That's pretty, that's pretty kind of you. 
Um, I can't see the rest. So are we at the end? Uh, <gasps> I hate to say I hope so because I do appreciate Super Chats, but I am trying to get through them all. So I think we're <laughs> yeah. we might be at the end, which is good. Um, let me just finish scrolling. I think so. I think we're yeah, cool. Best. Well, thank all you, right. guys. <sighs> Carrie, what else you want to talk about that happened this week? Any other news items? Well, I sent, um, yeah, I just wanted to make a point about this. I sent you two, two pictures about, mm-hmm. so we've talked a lot about Robin D'Angelo. She's one of what we call, and our friend Gracie West has a YouTube channel called Embarrassing Mom. She's another former SJW. She was in the Christian SJW, the, the part of uh, SJWism that's Christian, which is weird. Um, and she talks a lot about this ideology and, and, and she calls the people, there's no like one charismatic leader, like in most cults, there's a lot of these sort of high priests and priestesses of the ideology. One of those is Robin D'Angelo. Another one who's risen to the top recently is Ibram X. Kendi. And so Ibram X. Kendi was just given a $10 million donation from Twitter, from Jack at Twitter. And but they're politically neutral. Politi- I just want to clarify. Uh, Twitter doesn't have a horse in this game. Their hate speech rules and their their terms of service are completely neutral, totally politically neutral. And it's a it's a conspiracy that they um, that they're biased against conservatives. I just want to point that out before you continue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hmm. that's sarcasm. Okay, so on the right here, you're showing. Uh, th- this is. This is from a Politico article that Ibram X. Kendi wrote. And the guy who's tweeting it says, uh, Sven, he says, let's form a department of thought crime. What could go wrong? Okay, so read the beginning of this article. I'm going to read from the beginning of this Politico article by Ibram X. Kendi. First sentence, to fix the original sin of racism. Okay, this is interesting to me. Because those of us who have left the ideology and who've been criticizing it and those who were never in it, like Carter, who've been criticizing it, we've been pointing out for a while now that this belief system functions like a religion and more accurately like a cult. But they borrow a lot of things from religion. They have a concept of original sin. For them, it's isms. It's prejudice. It's your privilege. Right. And there's no grace like the, the one thing they don't have a concept of is grace or forgiveness. They don't have that. But but like like with a lot of things in this belief system, they've gotten very transparent recently. And maybe that's that's a uh, maybe that's an indicator of how bold they feel that this has moved to become so culturally dominant that now they're openly attacking individualism. They used to hide that. Now they're openly referring to original sin. They used to hide that, that this was like a, a cult. But so he says to fix the original sin of racism. Americans should pass an anti-racist amendment to the U.S. Constitution that enshrines two guiding anti-racist principles. Again, when they use this word anti-racism, look how they define it. It's racism. It, when they say anti-racism, they mean judging and treating people differently on the basis of race. They're very open about that, what they mean by it. But they call it anti-racism for all the people who are dumb enough to look at a shiny name and say, I guess it can't be racism. <laughs> Look what it's called. Um, so here's what here's what they want to have. He wants to add to the U.S. Constitution. Racial inequity is evidence of racist policy, and the different racial groups are equals. Okay, 
the first part there, racial inequity is evidence of racist policy. Is that true, Carter? I don't know. I don't think so. Are you being serious? No, no, no. I'm, look, no, it's, it's, is, it, is it evidence? Well, I mean, no, I want to be honest. I want to be honest because we're, we're trying yeah. to be honest on the show, right? Is it evidence? Right. Yeah, it, it, it's evidence that could be used to make an argument. It's not proof, right? So, like, yes, racial disparities in outcome might be evidence, but might one be. needs to deep dig deeper. It's evidence of something. One needs to deep, dig deeper and figure out what's, what it's evidence of. They don't view it as evidence. When he says evidence, what he means is racial disparities are proof positive of the one univariate yes. cause, which is systemic racism. That is flat out lie. So I just yeah. want to be, that's why I'm going to be clear. About my right. Belief. That's what I, I thought you're, um, thank you for clarifying. I thought we were, you were being sarcastic at first. Okay. The amendment would make unconstitutional racial inequity over a certain threshold. Okay, so for example, go back to Carter's analogy about the NBA. Does this mean that it is now unconstitutional not to have a representative percentage of the players be uh, Asian or Jewish or does it, does that, is that what that means? Because, because it's, they're saying that it is proof positive that it must be racism if the, if there's not an equal outcome, if there's not a exactly proportional outcome, it must be racism or sexism. That's what they're saying. So would it be? Let's say he was proposing this about sexism. Would it suddenly be unconstitutional not to have fifty percent of coal miners be women? Because it must be sexist, right? Would it yeah. be unconstitutional 50 not to have homeless 50%? people? That's what I'm going to go for. Yeah. Right. Must be must be unconstitutional. It's got to be unconstitutional. Right. Because it must be sexist and racist. This is crazy what they're saying. Um, so the amendment would make unconstitutional racial inequity over a certain threshold, as well as racist ideas by public officials with, quote, racist ideas and, quote, public official clearly defined. Who's going to define what's a racist idea? Is it you guys? Is it you racists? Are you going to define it? Well, yeah, if you look that he does explain it is them and they they get uh, they have absolute power. Look, look yeah. at that. Read the next part, Carter. Uh, wait, which was the sentence you ended at? Uh, I ended right before the highlighted part. Oh, it would establish and permanently fund the Department of Anti-Racism comprised of formally trained experts on racism and no political appointees. So. Me and my buddies wants a job. And our job is going to tell you what's anti-racist and what's not. That's going to be our job. No political appointees. Uh, we get permanently funded. And we decide. There's no power lust here, right? This is totally... He's doing it for our own good. Let's keep reading. Um, the DOA... By the way, I like that. I like that it's called the DOA. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the DOA <laughs> would be responsible for pre-clearing. Because... Nothing is better than having government permission required for every fucking thing you do. The DOA would be responsible for pre-clearing all local, state, and federal public policies to ensure that they won't yield racial inequality. <laughs> monitor those policies, investigate private racist policies when racial inequity surfaces, and monitor public officials for expression of racist ideas. As, like, for example, that being uh, expected to show up on time. 
racist idea. Rugged individualism, racist idea. Science, logic, reason, racist ideas. According to this same person, by the way, his definition of racist ideas is quite broad. Uh, but he's not mentioning that in this. The DOA would be empowered with disciplinary tools. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Well, you, you need some kind of disciplinary tools if you're going to be. Here we get to the punishment. Power monger. Punishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Eric Cartman is not a good cop if he doesn't have a baton, right? The DOA would be empowered with disciplinary tools to wield over. <laughs> he doesn't even, he's not even hiding this. To wield over and against policymakers and public officials who do not voluntarily change their racist policies and ideas. I don't think the word voluntarily means what you think it means, Mr. Kendi. Um, yeah. So basically, I would like to, I would like, my friends and I would like appointments to uh, be the thought police. And we would like power mm -hmm. to uh, punish people. By the way, because it's related to the government, this is physical force. Physical force. I would like physical power to punish people for holding the wrong ideas. And don't worry, they're just ideas that are racist. But my definition of racist is basically everything. So what could Except go wrong? I think this is a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, I sent you two other things he said, because I just want to highlight, again, we're talking about a person who was just given $10 million by Twitter. Um, these are two quotes of his. So one, I'm going to read it uh, while you pull it up. This is from How to Be an Anti-Racist. This is his best-selling book right now, along with Robin DeAngelo's White Fragility. These are two of the books in the, the social justice cult indoctrination list that they're pushing on children. My local town here the library here, uh, the the bookstore here. Sorry, they're doing a um, they're they're doing a discussion on this book at the end of the month, and they are encouraging you to read it with your kids. Okay, from how to be an anti-racist, meaning how to be a racist. The defining question is whether the discrimination is creating equity or inequity. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist discrimination <laughs> if discrimination is creating inequity then it is racist mm. are you guys on board with discrimination yet <laughs> that's one quote and then the other this is another quote of his the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination the only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination mm. these are bold-faced lies racism does not cure racism discrimination does not end discrimination individualism is the antidote to racism not this racist bs that's being peddled and the reason i wanted to bring this guy up was because if you look at philosophically, if you look at his ideology and you look at how similar it is to white supremacy, they both say we need to judge people and treat them differently on the basis of race, guys. That's how we're going to that's what we need to do. That's the good thing to do. They're evil. They're both evil. They're both racist. They're both collectivist. The difference is that our society rightly points and laughs and pushes white supremacy to the fringe where it belongs. 
But we are currently not doing that with this ideology. The high, the high priests and priestesses of this movement, we are propping up. Their books are bestsellers. He has a blue check mark. He's giving mainstream credibility. Jack at Twitter gave him $10 million for his anti-racist research to push stuff like this and try and change our constitution and institute a department of thought police. This guy, Ibram X. Kendi, needs to be treated the way we treat David Duke. He needs to be pushed to the fringes of society. We need to look at this ideology and point and laugh. And instead, our culture is, is, is elevating these people. Our culture is saying, this is an excellent way of navigating the world. No, it's not. It's an evil, racist way of navigating the world. And I do believe you can treat people who are in it the same way that Daryl Davis treats. Daryl Davis is the black guy who has pulled over 200 people out of the Klan by treating them with empathy and befriending them. And this one man has managed to change souls and pull people out of that evil racist belief system. I think you can do that with people who are in this cult too, but you don't do it by propping up the mouthpieces and giving them cultural credibility and mainstream credibility the way that our social media companies are doing the way that all the of our cultural elites and institutions are doing they are propping up evil can you imagine jack giving 10 million dollars to david duke here's for all we're giving you 10 million dollars no strings attached for all your great research david duke it's morally equivalent what they're doing it's reprehensible I think it's, I, yeah i i i, I yeah this, I, this is why angry. I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. And actually, so it makes you angry and it makes me, uh, that's like a deflate. It deflates me a little bit because I, it's when I hear this stuff and I see this stuff, it's, it's that moment where I'm like, you know what, can we just separate? Can we have like, can we just have a land with people who believe in individualism and you guys can go do your shit over there and we'll, we'll the individualists of all, colors, creeds, whatever, like all the individualists will hang out. We'll, we'll say that individualism is the antidote, antidote to racism. And you guys can say that anti-racism is the antidote to racism. And we'll see what happens. You guys just do your thing. Um, because I don't know, you know, it's such a sign. The fact that he gets $10 million, it's not for the longest time. People have been saying this. They've been saying, look at these bad ideas. They've been in our universities. They've been pushed everywhere and everyone's been d dismissing them. Like, oh, this is crazy. Carrie, even as recently as when we started this podcast, mm -hmm. you and I were saying we're trying to save Western civilization and it sounded very hyperbolic. A lot of people were like, stop being hyperbolic. There's nothing threatening Western civilization. Now a lot of people are going, oh, where did this come from? You just haven't been paying attention. You've been asleep for decades. This has been festering. This this guy did not spring up in the last two months magically. He is the product yeah. of decades of bad ideas that mostly you've mortgaged your house to pay your kid to kids' tuition to learn uh, at colleges. Like this stuff has been this, and it's just and we've just let it fester. No one argues with it. And Jack Dorsey probably thinks he's been doing good, right? He probably thinks that he is being a good little liberal donating $10 million to a guy who basically is the black equivalent of the KKK. It, it, you know, if history is written accurately, 
which it may not be because history is written by the victors. But if history is written accurately, people are going to look back at, at those like Jack Dorsey the same way they look at people who gave money to the Nazis and funded Nazis. Like, you just gave $10 million to an evil, racist, collectivist, nihilistic belief system. Yeah. To push this propaganda in our culture. By the way, sorry, it's not a super chat, but someone said, is it evil to send them all to California and then pray for an earthquake? No offense, Carter. No, oh. it's not. It's okay. Uh, I will get out before no, the is. earthquake happens. Bring them all here. If you can put them all in California, I would. I will sacrifice. It's, it wouldn't even be a sacrifice. I would die happily if all of them died with me in California. It would be, it would be the world would be a no. better place. My daughter would have a future. It would be lovely. Bring them all to California. Um, I'm not down with that, but I'm I getting out of California anyway. But uh, look, I I understand the sentiment. I understand the sentiment. Look, I, I'm not actually trying to. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 know, I get I the know. sentiment. It's frustrating because it's 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 suffocating and debilitating. And this is why they go after individualism. They go after individualism because individualism is actually the cure to racism. Individualism is the antidote. Uh, so they need to attack it as racist because otherwise you would be saying, well, why is this other thing the antidote to racism? We already have one. Like, no, 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 that one, that one doesn't work. Individualism is, is not the antidote. Individualism is racism. That's their, that's their argument. So, that's what they say. you know, and, 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 and honestly, I, here's the problem with, I just, I've said this before, but history isn't written, written by the victors. It's written by the people, the victors fund in their universities. And that's the problem because the people who've been writing our history don't understand the founding of America. They don't understand what made this country great. And they have been Marxists and postmodernists and just people with generally bad philosophy, whole, whole bunches of types of bad philosophy, writing crap about the founding of our country and the principles behind it and what makes us great to the point where now no one knows why we're why were we successful. Why were we successful? No one knows. You've got 1619 off telling people it's because of slavery. Nothing to do with why we're successful. Slavery held us back. Slavery was horrible. It was a, a, uh, a terrible blight and a stain on the ideals that this country was founded upon. And it was only by appealing to those ideals that people like Frederick Douglass fought slavery and won by appealing to the foundational principles of America. The idea that, that, that this, the fact that this isn't known and isn't taught, that we ignore the hundreds of millions of deaths of communism, but we act like Nazism is the worst thing. Nazism was horrible. But why do we also have to, why do we also ignore communism? We're, we're taught, your kids are taught in school that it's, our choices are between fascism and Marxism. Those are not our choices. Those are not our choices. And you know whose fault it is? It's ours because we funded them. It's our fault. We funded them. You gotta pay attention to ideas. You can't pay crappy professors your hard-earned money to push crappy ideas and then wake up later and go, why is my kid crazy? Because you paid them to screw up his mind. That's why. That's why. We need to take responsibility yeah. for what we've done as a society to our own values. And to, if we're going to move forward, we need to reclaim the values that built this nation and take responsibility for allowing their destruction because that's what we've done. And this guy is just a – this stupid Ibram guy, like whatever. He's just a grifter. He's like whatever. He's just using the – he didn't invent this stuff. We made him possible. We did. It, it could be anyone. It Yeah, it's, it's just, he's just a mouthpiece, but he's a high priest. Or pre, he's one that's revered by people who are in the belief system. 
he has a lot of power not only within the ideology but in society at large now because society at large our culture at large the elites have decided to embrace this belief system so he's like this powerful figure in the movement but i i don't know i just i was just flabbergasted yeah <sighs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring us down. No, but, I'm sorry for but my But I wanted to point that out because think about this. Again, think about the way we treat white supremacy, and rightly so. And think about the way we treat social justice ideology. We give far too much leeway to social justice ideology. You know, uh, I when we talk about the guilt by association game, where people try to say, um, oh, you know, you shared a stage with uh, Milo Yiannopoulos and Milo Yiannopoulos is blah, blah, blah. By the way, Milo Yiannopoulos is not a white supremacist. I'm not even talking about guilt by association with people like that. I'm just saying people who are on the right, who are on the right, who aren't extremists. He's not, Milo's not an extremist. He says shocking things. Yes, he's not an extremist. But they will say, oh, you did this with so-and-so, and that person's on our radioactive list, and you need to distance yourself, and, and you need to play this game where you can, you're concerned more about your image and your ego than you are about principles. Well, no, I'm not going to play that game, first of all. But they never ask you to play that game with this evil ideology. They're never like, Carrie, why are you still friends with social justice warriors? Nice t-shirt. That's what they tell Facebook? you. Huh? Nice t-shirt. That's the message you get when you're – yeah. When you're hanging out on the they left. They don't care. They don't care that I'm so we are we are very accommodating to people who are pushing and this evil racist belief system so much so that their books are on the New York Times bestseller list. They're blue check marks. They're giving 10 million dollars by the one of the biggest social media platforms and they're treated like royalty and their ideas are just as racist and cancerous as David Dukes. More because it, they have more it, it, clout. They have more power. They have clout yeah. and power. They have something he doesn't have. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. For me, I always, I always end up ranting about philosophy. It always goes back to philosophy. It always, it just, it's just, you know, guys, you can't, you can't be like, oh, the, the, the ideas don't matter. The stuff that, oh, well, they're just talking philosophically. It's just theoretical. They're going to learn some stuff in college. It's like, you can't do that. You can't. This is the this is the result. This is the result. If you don't stand up for it when it's words, eventually those words become louder. They become more intimidating. And if you still don't stand up for it, it's guns. Eventually you, you fight a real battle. And I, for one, would much rather have yelling matches than... I'd rather exchange words than bullets. Let's put it that way. And like, that's, that's yeah. the, that's what comes like. That's, that's the next step. Yeah. If you can't fight this with your language, if you can't stand up with your language to fight this stuff, you will be asked to fight it with bullets. That's what will happen. Um, yeah. So fight so. it now with your words, speak up. Yeah. We should do, we've already gone two hours and 15 minutes. Right, we should probably do the, do the last chats, super chats. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Villa Music Dude says, uh, thank you. Uh, can you touch on the USPS conspiracy? 
I kind of didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> I mean, I, I did see the memes of Trump bashing mailboxes. Uh, <laughs> Gary, do you have anything to say about the conspiracy, the post office conspiracy? Just that, just that they Twitter again. Let's go back. To, let's talk about Twitter and Jack. They will ban anything that on the right that they don't like and call it conspiracy theory um, if it goes against their narrative. But then they float, and the legacy media floats insane conspiracy theory all the time. I mean, look at the biggest one they've floated in the past few years, the Russiagate stuff. Well, they'll float this post, uh, this mailbox thing, and that's cool. They can put that up, doesn't get taken down. And, and, and don't hear me wrong, I don't think it should get taken down, but I also don't think the QAnon or whatever stuff, I don't even know much about QAnon, but I don't think it should be taken down. It, I think both should stay. It's just it's just a double standard the way they treat conspiracy theories that they don't push themselves. The ones they push, cool. It's cool, guys. I don't know. That's it. I think the post office box thing's kind of funny. Even Fauci said there's no reason to not vote, like in person. Suddenly it's a uh, yeah. Suddenly the post yeah. office is necessary. <sighs> All right, next one. Tomsky999 says, have you seen the Joe Rogan Tim Pool podcast with Twitter Tim Goes Ballistic on their asses? Yes. Um, yeah. I actually wrote an article about it on yeah. our Medium uh, page, so if you want to read about it. Yeah, and we probably talked about it on a show. I just don't remember which one, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm we sure did. We talked it's been about a while. It. Yeah. That was um, great. Tim Pool was great in that, that episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that Joe brought Tim there because I don't think Joe had the ammunition that Tim did to have that conversation. No. Yeah. Um, Sandy Kins, Carter, please check your email. Viral knit night on the horizon. Virtual knit night on the horizon. I, you know what? I'm. I apologize to everyone, not just Sandy Kins. I'm behind on email uh, from traveling, and that reminds me. Uh, if you've sent an email because you want to be involved in book club, uh, and you haven't received a response, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. I will probably today or tomorrow make sure I go through all of those, and you'll get a link to the book club zoom invitation um all right tomsky 999 again you've been very busy today tomsky thank you no politics so no way to remove them from power there goes that word again power yep as carrie has pointed mm -hmm. out i think on the very first show we were in you were explaining to me that they say rest in power instead of rest in peace and it blew my mind i was like oh that explains yeah. everything. Like, that's their focus. It's power. It was done. Yeah. Yeah. It just occurred to me that that tells you a lot about what they value. And it does. And their ideology is built around power. They'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. They believe that the best way to view the world is as a struggle for power between identity groups. Yep. And, yeah, they say rest in power. And what's interesting is that now that the ideology has gone mainstream culturally in the past couple months, now you see mainstream people are all saying rest in power now. Yep. When John Lewis died, it was trending on Twitter the other day. It's yep. it's everywhere now. Another one from Tomsky, uh, just for the carry rant. Awesome. Woohoo. Thank you. Which, by the way, it's such an awful thing to wish on someone. It's like in death, rest in you power. can't even let me have peace in death. If it's a struggle for power even in death. Like... <laughs> Just let me have some peace. 
Another one from Tomsky, this time arguing, maybe correctly, I don't know. Tomsky says, no, no, Jack Dorsey knows exactly what he's doing, man. I, maybe, maybe. I I can't I tell. There are a lot of smart people. I'll say this as someone who's been in Silicon Valley for 20 years. There are a lot of smart people in Silicon Valley. Um, a lot of, I mean, I have very successful friends who've built and sold companies who are really smart but they they kind of abdicate their responsibility to think about any moral or political issues and kind of just are pragmatists that go with the flow and so it's not inconceivable to me that jack was just told this was a good thing to do and he did it and like doesn't really understand it's also not inconceivable to me that he totally understands what he's doing and he's evil like that's a possibility um but there is a lot I of just, lean, you think, which do you think it is? I tend to lean more towards he, he doesn't know, but that's just cause I know, I know how I was when I was in it, right? I was in it for two decades and I, I know, okay. For people who have never been in it, it probably seems hard to understand how someone who's intelligent could be in this belief system and to push it and really believe it's a good thing. But it's possible. <laughs> you have to evade like, the responsibility to do the thinking yourself, right? Which a lot of people yeah. do. Um, and and by the way, this may be different for me and Carrie, but his naivete, assuming that he is naive here, for me, doesn't excuse him one bit. So, like, I don't give a crap whether he's evil. I care what he's doing. And, you know, if you... Uh, if you wield an axe and try and murder my family, I really don't care about your motivations. And if you give $10 million to this dude, I really don't care why you're doing it. I don't care if you do it because you know it's evil and you're an evil person or if you do it because you think it's great. Uh, it doesn't excuse you in my book. Carrie's different, so we don't always agree on – and I think you'd be different in this probably. I don't know. Well, yeah, I believe intent matters, but I, I obviously agree with you that his, what he's doing is evil whether he realizes it or not. But yeah, okay. Uh, okay, next. is the next one Sebastian? Uh, I'm not sure, but you can read Sebastian, and we'll get to it if you want. Sebastian gives us 50 pen. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. He says in Peru they are starting to sue people because of racism, and he puts racism in quotes. Concepts uh, such as intersectionality are already enshrined in our law. Our measures for the pandemic have been incredibly authoritarian. Universities are also compromised. Any advice? Wow, Sebastian, first of all, thanks for the super chat. Secondly, my advice would be to move. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, 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 I that. thought that would be my advice. Well, I was going to say leave, but Carrie will have a better answer. <laughs> no? I would say, well, here's why. I think, I don't know, I think we're at a point now where those of us who know this is insane need to stake out a territory and... Uh, while the United States is a very big territory, I think, I think come to the U.S., come to a, pick a place in the U.S. Lots of us in the chat, I saw people already talking about this right now. Beverly's talking about it. A lot of people in the U.S. are trying to figure out where to move. I'm encouraging people to move to Texas because I think Texas can be saved if the right people come. I know people are looking at Montana and Colorado, Wyoming, um, but I don't know much about Peru, so 
my instinct is maybe you know better than I do about if it if it's worth sticking it out there and trying to save it or not. But my instinct on reading that is to tell you to move to a, a place that at least has here's what the U.S. has that, of course, they are going to try to get rid of. And we've already seen in that that Politico piece from Ibram X. Kendi, they're talking about amending the Constitution now. But currently we have a First and Second Amendment that protects our right to freedom of speech and protects our right for self-defense. And we can um, move so, we can move from state to state freely. Mm-hmm. Um, we have localized politics in many places. Um, I, I, I don't know Peru either, Carrie, but I would say move. Um, because, because you can't hide from this. If this takes hold, uh, which it sounds like it is in Peru, I don't, I don't know, but if this takes hold, there's not a, you're not allowed to remain Switzerland under the social justice ideology. There is no neutral, leave me alone, I just want to like, you know, just tell me what to do, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to be neutral. They are, they will actively hunt you down and make sure that you're one of them. And if you're not, you, you get the firing squad. Like that's, that's where this is going. This is not a, you can't sit this out. Um, because this is an aggressive, yeah. active, authoritarian ideology. It's not a – you don't sit this out and wait for things to get better. Um, yeah. So, yeah. They I, say I, silence I is violence. Silence is violence. That lays the groundwork for them to justify being physically violent towards you for not speaking the ideology, for right. trying to be neutral. Right. Um, and and I would say in the, in the U.S., I mean – if you're going to move some, there's, there's two, I, I, to me, there's two categories of movement. And this is because I've been thinking about moving. I mean, I, I need to get out of California and we've been thinking about where to go. And there's two categories. There's the, I want to give up and be left alone category, which is like, which are the people that are just like, I want to, I want to find a spot and be left alone. Like, okay, fine. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can't. I don't know. And then there are people that are like, I want to find a battlefront that's winnable and I want to fight there. Like California is not a winnable battlefront. You don't, you don't st- you're not going to change California's ideology, right? But, you know, Kerry would argue that Texas is winnable. I don't think Texas is winnable any longer, but some people do, right? Um, I've heard Colorado. Some people think New Hampshire. Like, there's those are battlefronts. Those aren't escape. Those aren't places to escape to. Those are places to battle from. Wyoming's more of an escape, right? It's like, okay, well, who the hell wants to live in Wyoming other than Kanye? There's going to be nothing here. I'm just going to, like, okay, fine. I, like... Fine. If you think you can sit that out, go ahead. But um, I'm more interested in fighting, and um, and I think if you're gonna find a, if you're gonna go somewhere, you have to figure out like, okay, what are the demographics in terms of ideology? How can how are local politics set up? How can I like? Is it a place where I can affect them reasonably? One of the things that scares me about both Colorado and Texas is all my neighbors are moving there and they're not leaving their ideology at home. They're they're like locusts. <laughs> they like they destroyed California, and they're now they're like, hey, how's Austin? I'm here from California. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're gonna just eat the next place they go. So um, that's what concerns me. Maybe they can be fought. I don't know, but they can be fought. All right, I'm um, telling you, I'm fighting them here in Texas. Okay. I, know. I know. Is the next one Tomsky? Yes. Tomsky says people celebrate Marxism because they see it as romantic and wholesome and they're never taught how harmful it is. Higher education takeover complete. Yeah, that's true. 
And as Carter pointed out earlier, we just don't, we're not teaching an accurate history for some, some reason. We teach about the evils of fascism and rightly so, but we don't take a, teach about the evils of Marxism. And we don't, I didn't learn about the hundreds of millions of deaths as a result of communism until in the past few years. Yeah. Is that <laughs> embarrassing? And I went to two great schools. I went to a science and math boarding school in South Carolina that you had to get it. was more rigorous than where I went to Duke for college. Both were great schools. I was blessed to go to both. I did not, I, I had a great U.S. history teacher, but I did not learn about communism and, and Marxism in the same way that I learned about the history of fascism. It's embarrassing. Yeah. No, it is. And once you know the history of communism, the idea that it's seen as romantic and wholesome is so far removed from reality, it's almost impossible to fathom. Like, there's, it's, it's the antithesis of both wholesome and romantic. Uh, but but there you have it. I mean, it is... The fact that... I, look, I know this is a cliche thing to say, but the fact that Che Guevara shirts are seen as like a, an okay fashion statement, like a, an approved fashion statement, is evidence that the cultural battle in universities was lost a long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah. Um, all right, you want to do Kim Ray? Okay, Kim Ray... The next one, Kim Ray says, maybe we can raise money to help the oppressed Obama and Michelle, uh, to help the oppressed Oprah and Michelle Obama. That's funny. Yeah, it's always very elite, wealthy people who are pushing this. A lot of the people who push social justice ideology are very well-to-do, highly educated white women. Um, It's just, it's it's almost, it's like Marx Marx himself was, didn't work, was very well-to-do, right? He was support. He was a Peggy kept man in some way. Right. Right. He was a kept Peggy (laughs) McIntosh. She's the white woman who coined the term white privilege in the eighties. Very rich family. She was a trust fund baby, right? Something like that. Yeah. They come from immense privilege. It's it's very interesting. Anyway, uh, C Jones says coming on the tail end of Kefefe, seeing Carter in frivolity mode made my day. Love you, Carrie. Awesome job on the, your panel at the conference. Thank you. I know who you are. Until Rico Suave, I said hello. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Okay. <laughs> Is there another one or are we... No, there's more, I think. I think we're... Oh, we're no, there's more. Oh, you guys are busy today. Yeah. Uh, Kent? Is Kent the next one? Uh, I'm not sure, but you go ahead and read Kent and we'll hope that it's correct. Kent... Kent says uh, Portland is what social justice rule leads to. Yes, it is. We're seeing people flee Portland. Our friend who I mentioned earlier, Gracie West, she has a YouTube channel called Embarrassing Mom. She's a foremost, former Christian social justice warrior. They just, she calls herself a Portland refugee. They just left. They moved. People are yep. moving. Uh, Jordan, um, we missed a Jordan. Jordan. Jordan says, uh, always speaking such truth. Thank you for being a guiding light during the very scary and confusing time. Thank you for supporting us. It's uh, we, For those of you who are new and don't know, we both quit jobs and bled cash profusely uh, and are continuing to bleed cash. We're doing this because we love it. So anything you can do to help out and keep us going, the more we can keep going, the more people we can reach. And I do think the bore is not over. I am a curmudgeon sometimes, and I am pessimistic sometimes, but we can win. There's enough people that don't want this crap. And I would like to separate, by the way, I'd like to separate the, the, the word educated from schooled. Like, 
lots of people with schooling like this. I don't, I'm not sure I would call them educated. <laughs> they're, they're definitely indoctrinated. They've definitely been through a lot of school, but they I'm not sure that counts. They paid for a lot. Well, they've paid for a lot of expensive diplomas and they've been indoctrinated. Yes. yes. Yeah. Brendan hey, is let me say one. something about that. Oh. Okay. Let me say something about the uh, the money that you just mentioned, because this is interesting. <clears throat> now that we're getting more views, or you know, I went on the Tim Pool show. Uh, I've gotten, I've, I've finally gotten a couple of comments calling me a grifter, and I understand why people. Well, first they're just trying to hurt you, but uh, also there are there are grifters in any movement. Absolutely. Uh, okay, like of of course there are. There there are people I think are motivated by something above or other than but but maybe above uh a passion and and a belief in truth and what they're saying and maybe they start out pure and fame or money or something moves there but of course you see that i actually think and we did an interview with a friend that's going to come out soon um from a three creator symposium where carter and i talked about this I actually think there's a place even for those people in a movement because just because their motivations are wrong doesn't mean that they're not um, – that doesn't mean that I don't agree with the, some of the ideas they're putting out. So if, if that's what it takes and if maybe it takes narcissistic people to spread ideas uh, to a bigger audience, awesome. Go spread the ideas. Right. If I agree with the ideas, spread them. Um, but I do get that there are people like that in a movement. And uh, it, it, for us, though, it's interesting because – I, there's just no way to, we both gave up careers. I, Carter was in Silicon Valley. I, I was in entertainment. I had my own company. I managed comedians. I produced TV shows. I was making good TV money for a while. And we both knew that it would be career suicide to speak our beliefs. And I gave up, we walked away. We canceled ourselves. I gave up my career so I could say what I want. Like I said earlier, I engineered my life so that I have freedom and there's nothing that I have to lose that, 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 that I'm scared of losing. That's on purpose. So I happily work gig jobs now to make a living. The money is not nearly as good as TV money, but you know what? I wouldn't go back for a second. I'm so much happier now. I get to say what I want. This is important to me. This is so important to me. And yep. I actually believe we will get to a place where unsafe space makes money. Um, but you should, guys should know we haven't taken a dime yet. Um, we've we've covered expenses. We uh, got me a new laptop. We got to go to Milwaukee, things like that. But we haven't taken a paycheck, Carter and I. There's not enough money to do that yet. And, but I think it, I think I think fingers crossed we'll get there eventually. But even if we don't, even if we don't. And I and I have to do gig jobs forever. I don't care. Right. I'm happy doing this. Right. <laughs> like. Right. So, uh, it's funny. It's like, it, it's it, oh, and somebody on the right also said something like, uh, they thought I, I must have walked away without knowing anything about me. They were like, oh, maybe she left social justice ideology because she finally got her first job and learned responsibility. And again, it's like, no, no, your assumptions are entirely wrong. Well, you. I had young. a very lucrative career and I left it. <laughs> yeah. So I was making good money spreading social justice ideology and entertainment. Um, if you know, that was, that was what I was doing. And, but this, this is more important and gosh, freedom, you know, that episode where you were telling people make choices, you might have to take a pay cut. You might have to 
figure oh. out if your family can get by unless you might lose your job if you start speaking, you know, figure out what you can do. Mm-hmm. It's so worth it to have the freedom to say what you want. Gosh, what is money? When you're at the end of your life and you're on your deathbed, are you really going to be like, God, you know, I, I wish I had kept my mouth shut and not stood up for something and not been a principled person that that a person that I'm proud of being. Um, if only I could, I could have kept my mouth quiet. So I had more money <laughs> right. along the way. Right. No, there's a word it's not for that. important to you on your deathbed. <clears throat> What's the Whore. word? Whore. <laughs> uh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Um, by the way, this is not a super chat, but I didn't realize this. I just want to shout out to uh, Digital Man 2112 says a California bill would apply wealth tax to residents who fled the state in the last 10 years. That's horrifying and hopefully would be struck down by the Supreme Court. But of course, they're trying to do that because it's California. And how dare you leave us? Huh? You are our you're our tax cattle. Our tax cattle is not allowed to wander off the ranch. Freedom. OK, uh, do you want to do Brent uh, Brendan's? Brendan McWalters, I haven't seen you before. Maybe you're new. Welcome. Uh, No place in the U.S. is a place to fight for while the Federal Department of Education sets the curriculum. Trying to fight without fixing that first is the same as building a house on sand. I might agree with you, although I kind of I think I've seen a lot of people deciding to homeschool. Yeah. 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 But I but I do agree with the importance of getting this out of our public schools. They are indoctrinating kindergartners now. And we have a lot of teachers in the chat and professors in the chat who are not on board with this ideology, people who are free thinkers and they understand what this is, that it's a variation of an ideology we've seen before throughout history. Those teachers, it makes me emotional. I think what they are doing is amazing because I can't imagine going to a job every day where your job is to indoctrinate kids and you find a way to actually teach them something and to skirt it and to put your job at risk and those people, I just really admire because I think I think Carter's right. You can homeschool. But I also think if the public school system, as long as it exists, we need to try and get this root this out of the schools. And a lot of good teachers, a lot of those brave teachers I'm talking about, some of them are quitting because they can't do it. And the ones that are sticking around in the burning house, like, God bless you. Right. By the way, he, uh, he followed up and said he was homeschooled and he said that from that perspective. Cool. I mean, I'm, look, no one's oh, arguing that we shouldn't abolish the Department of Education. Yeah. Sure, I'm all about it. But it doesn't mean you can't fight until you've abolished the Department of Education. You absolutely can homeschool without the Department of Education getting involved. Like, you, you have actually a lot of leeway. Even here in California, there's quite a lot of leeway. So you certainly can, can fight. Um, but you're right. We've talked about this before. The only way to win this battle is through the next generation. And uh, if they're churning out little NPCs... It's going to be tough. Yeah. You want to read Sean's? I can't see that when I was trying to scroll. You read Sean it. says, are either of you familiar with Camille Paglia? She's amazing. Yes. And she is. Oh, yeah. I love her. Mm. It's great. I like her. The talk she did with Jordan Peterson. If anybody's not familiar with her, go check out the talk with Jordan Peterson. You'll, it'll blow your mind. Uh, Tomsky says, every time I watch you, I feel like Willy Wonka grabbing the gobstopper and saying, and so shines a bright light in a weary world. Thank you, guys. Aw. Thank you, Tomsky. Thank you, Tomsky. You've been very active today. Yeah. Do you want to do the next one or no? Is it Villa Music nope. Dude? Uh, Colin McDonald. 
Oh, I see it. Okay. Have you lost hope in humanity? If so, what keeps you coming back to this? What gives you hope? Have you done Wild Swans, Jung Chong in the book club? No, I haven't heard of that book. Thank you for the suggestion. What gives? No, I have not lost hope in humanity. If I had, I wouldn't be doing this show. I would just be one of those people who moved to the wilderness and said, leave me alone. <laughs> While I live out my final days before the apocalypse. <laughs> no, I don't, I haven't lost hope. And I, a part of that, okay, so for anybody who's new, I'm a pretty new Christian. Carter's an atheist. So I'll answer from just, this is me personally. I'm not trying to tell you, you need to believe what I believe, but I believe in God and I, I believe in a lot of the stuff that's happening right now, I think is. I think God has told us about happening and I believe I know the ending to this movie. So even though we're going to go through dark times and I think things are going to get darker for a while, okay, even if you're not a Christian, think about history and when, when civilizations have fallen, you go through dark times and then an enlightenment happens. I think that there will be light after the darkness. So you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. I'll, that's my, that's my final answer. Well, what about you, Carter? Carter I've, I've Carter said before that I a bit more. Yeah, I sometimes struggle with with misanthropy. Absolutely, um, and but I but generally no. And because here's the thing, just look look around you, look at the look at what humans have built. Like the, humans have built the internet. Like we're talking via satellite, basically. Uh in real time with video for pennies. I mean, we, we've cured diseases. We've raised the standard of living. We've, we've like the, the, the things that humankind is actually capable of are amazing and beautiful. Uh, the fact that there's a large segment of humans that basically just want to destroy it all and hate themselves is depressing. Absolutely. But I don't do this show for the worst in humanity. I do it for the best. I'm not speaking to the worst in humanity. I'm speaking to the best. And I fight for this because I want to unleash the potential of humans upon the world. And I view the, all, all of these problems that we're having, all, the social justice ideology, but frankly, uh, the, the way that America has been going for quite a long time is the best among us are getting shackled and the best in us is getting repressed and shackled. And there's no reason for that. There's no reason for mass suffering and, and death and destruction. And like, there is not a reason for it. It's not necessary. And yeah, I struggle with misanthropy sometimes. And I think sometimes think people think I don't have faith in humanity because I don't have, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that the U.S. will survive in its current state. Like, I I would love to save the United States, but I'm more interested in saving the ideas behind the United States. And frankly, I think it's very likely that th those ideas survive in a form that is not all 50 states in the way that we know it right now. I think that's very likely, and I know that's hard for a lot of people to hear, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I think it's unlikely that all 50 states save Western civilization together. I think it's likely that we fall apart. But somewhere that needs to be saved because the essence of America is not that there's 50 states. That's not the, that's not what makes America America. It's it's our it's our individualist values 
And like that need, it's, it's the free, it's the freedom. It's the, the first amendment. No other country has a first amendment. No other country has a first amendment or the second. No other country has anything like that enshrined in their constitution. Like those are values worth saving and they can be saved. Whether they can be saved in California is doubtful, but they can be saved. And, and that's why I'm fighting. All right. Carter. Kim Ray just said, wait a minute, is Carter the one giving us the optimistic speech at the end? Yes. Yeah, because look, they can be. It doesn't it. take that many people to save them. Like, I'm pessimistic about the United States generally being an entity that survives in the way that we all wish it would. But I'm not pessimistic about freedom surviving somewhere. Um, you know, and probably I was thinking about this as we were talking about moving between states. I just was just today during the show. Probably what's going to happen is People are going to naturally go to certain states, Texas, Colorado. They're going to contract, right? And some of those people are going to be the locusts from California that bring bad ideas. But I think that the the but we're contracting where the freedom lovers are, and it's going to keep contracting. And maybe maybe Texas survives, maybe Colorado survives, maybe one of them gets lost. But those people, as that's happening, they jump ship to the other one, and eventually it's going to contract to some spot where actually there's enough of us to hold that location, um, and. It once we're in a spot where we can hold, uh, I think it's going to be very hard to defeat us uh, because we have something to yeah. fight for. We love our lives. Uh, we're productive. We're not about hate and destruction. We're about creativity and moving things forward. And like that's an unstoppable that that's a hard force to reckon with, especially if you're in the midst of a dystopian collapse, which is what the rest of the world will be in by the time that happens. So um yeah. All right. <sighs> Have babies. Have babies. Yeah. Raise them right. Have babies. Yeah, totally. Villa Music Dude, you want to read the Villa Music Dudes? Uh, Villa Music Dude. Thank you, sir. Says, have you ever heard of Austin Tong? He criticized BLM on David Dorn's death and posted a pro-Second Amendment photo. His university charged him with hate crime bias and intimidating threats. They also banned him from campus. He is suing them. I, I've not heard of him. Me neither. Thank you for the heads up. I'm just going to definitely take a note on that because I want to read more about it. But, you know, that's the kind of thing 10 years ago people would have said, wait, what? And now you read a story like that and you're like, yeah, every day you hear something awful like this. You can't believe it's happening in America. That's the risk anyway, that I run. Carrie and I have talked about this. Too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I was just saying thank you to oh. thank you to him. I haven't seen him before. Welcome, if you're new. Mary Little. Hi, Mary. Mary says, thank you. You helped me break it, Diane. I often find issues. I think that might be a typo, but anyway. I often find issues here that I skip past on social media and the news. Well, thank you, Mary, for the super chat. I recognize you. Um, I think we're nearing the end, are we? And I'm going to have to wrap up because I have to get somewhere I think we are nearing the end. Uh, um, Tomsky again. Hello, Tomsky. Tomsky says the essence of individualism will eventually win out, but it will be a rough road. The fact that we are all here gives me hope to keep fighting. Yes, me yes. too. You guys yeah. are so, it has been so encouraging to find other people who believe in, <laughs> I mean, how crazy is it in 2020? We're like, it's so good to find people that believe in free speech and individualism. <laughs> Right. The non-aggression principle and equality. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
when did these become underground things, right? Uh, Gentleman Warfighter, I love your name, uh, says, look up, A is for activists, a baby title book I saw in the kids' store yesterday. The clerk said the topic is popular as heck. It's depressing me. Wow, A is for activists. Chalk that up there with anti-racist baby and, you know, indoctrinating as young as they can. Yep. Anyway, thank you for the heads up on that book. Uh, You guys, it's been a great chat. Carter might have some final words, but I would just want to get this in. If you're new here, we have merchandise on savespace.com. We have a subscribe star where you can donate. If you like the content, you want to support us financially and you're able to, you can do a monthly uh, support level. You can do a one-time tip jar thing there if you want. Uh, You get a mug, a grenade mug, if you subscribe at the $25 level or above. If you want to be in book club, we're doing our next discussion on Sunday, and the book is Atlas Shrugged. You can email us at speak at unsafespace.com if you want to be in the video chat, or you can just show up in the live chat like today. You can go to our book club page and find all of our previous book club episodes, and um, I think that's it in terms of things that have to be said, right? I think so, and I'm going to skip over my other ones because they're like stories that I've been wanting to mention for a while, but they're kind of depressing, so... I don't I don't want to end on a depressing note and this is a long show so I'm going to just leave it yeah. there and uh and I just want to say again welcome to all of the new subscribers that we've had uh we will try and be putting out more content we're less of a news show generally and more of a analysis show but we are going to try and you know step up our game with content but every Monday and Friday at 11 Pacific is when we do this show and uh you can always join us, bring your questions, and we try and get through, as you can see, all the super chats. So thanks. Go to unsafespace.com, by the way, and it will ask you for your email address. The reason for that is eventually we're going to get off YouTube. We know that. Uh, so we want to be able to tell you where we're going and and still reach you. We have never emailed anyone. We will eventually have a newsletter, probably not more than once a month. Definitely not more than once a month, but we haven't even ever used it. So, um, but we've we, never used it yet. Yeah, but we are we are collecting just because Susan doesn't love us, and YouTube is going to get if Trump wins, they're just going to squeeze tighter. So, um, yeah, we're probably gonna we're probably gonna need to use that someday. So, thanks everyone. Have a great weekend, Carrie. Any final words of inspiration? I like that you did the final words of inspiration, so I'm good. All right, cool. Have it's a good. good to, run, it was so good to see Carter in person, guys. That's the other I'm, cool. Thing. I'm happier in person. Beverly says it. Everyone thinks I'm not yeah. the happy. I'm not. I'm actually quite happy normally. I just on these shows. I'm serious on the show because it's a serious topic, and you know, yeah. I yeah, I would like to save. I would like to save Western civilization. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. And have Later. a bit of intermittent frivolity uh, in the meantime. Uh, okay, bye. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Carrie. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there.
warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. The science is settled, there is a 95.7% chance that these are all Russian bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. It is for your own good that small businesses must all be destroyed. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.